Hey family, welcome to the show. On this week's episode, Mike Sanchez and I got to sit down with some cool friends of ours, Alex and Aaron Reyes, two brothers who serve alongside one another at Calvary Chapel in youth ministry. This discussion does at a point get very heavy as they share their family's testimony. I highly recommend this episode for anyone who has a loved one battling with addiction. And I want to thank the Reyes family for opening up to share the love and hope of Christ. Love you guys. Check this out. All right. That was a lot of warm-up. So let's pray, and then we'll get in it, all right? Cool. Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening, Lord, that we get to spend with our friends, our family. I pray, Father, that you would guide our conversation tonight. I pray, Father, that you would allow this fellowship to be full of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, for lessons to be able to be learned from one another. I thank you for my friends, Lord God, the lessons that they've taught me. And I pray and I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to have your hand upon their life. Father, just uh, thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Cool. Redeemed Podcast, episode 17. I have with me the Reyes brothers. I got Aaron Reyes and Alex Reyes with us. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Did your parents intentionally want to name all you guys with A's? No, I don't think no. so. No, it was just me and him, actually. Yeah, <laughs> just, just me and him. Yeah. And Alicia. Oh, name. Alicia, too. Yeah. yeah. No. Every other kid was an A. Gotcha. Right on. Dude, how you guys That's been? Funny. Dude? Good. Good. Hanging out? Yeah. Yeah. How's Great. ministry? Oh, it's been wild. Yeah. I think since the beginning of word. this whole COVID thing, it's been just, it's been absolutely insane. Mm. What do you, what do you what do you guys do ministry wise? Like what what do you what do you do? Okay, um, so right now I am involved in the high school ministry. Been there for a few years now, um, and I've been heading up the um, the worship ministry there with the youth, um, following South footsteps. <laughs> he, he took my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and so just been doing that for about a, almost a year now. I think I think just about a year now. Um, which is something I want to get into, but I'll let you continue yeah. on with your moments. yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been I've been there for for a while now and just been busy with that. And I think that's yeah, pretty simple as that. Hmm. Yeah. What about you, Alex? High school ministry as well, which is pretty cool working with your brother. Um, I head up the tech team, the the youth tech team, and they've been growing tremendously. It's amazing mm. watching them grow spiritually and even in their talents. Mm. That's awesome. It, do you have any connection with Cameron at all, or that's separate? Yeah. Oh, DQ. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Yeah. I get to work alongside with him. Sometimes. Heck yeah. He's one of my favorite people, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's cool people, for <laughs> he, sure. He helped the production of this whole, what well, you see. He changed here, us. I would yeah. believe that, yeah. He did. Yeah. He changed yeah. us. He, he, he came on, he was like, mm-hmm. this is cool. He's like, he has a good eye. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. he has a good eye. Yes, very yeah. much a good eye. It, it's cool because when you see him during like the... Um, like when they have like the big conferences or whatever, like a pastor's mm-hmm. conference, you see his face everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But like totally behind the scenes the entire yeah. time. And he's just making things happen. Problem happens. Yeah. You know, there's Cameron. You know, <laughs> he's right there. He's the just face walking in the background. Yeah. Yeah. So tech, is that something that you've always enjoyed or mm, sound? I do enjoy sound. Um, I enjoy photography and videography although i'm kind of amateur at both but the concept is amazing to me that's your yeah just being able to like still a moment and mess with it is absolutely phenomenal or a series of moments like video that's that's beautiful Mm. um yeah it's fun it's fun stuff so the tech team and then worship ministry um 
Dude, how yeah, is worship? Yeah. I want to. I just want to know because it's been a, it's been a minute for me, dude. How is worship ministry right it's, now? It's it's awesome, honestly. Okay, so going back to the original question and then segueing into this was, it's been such a wild ride since COVID hit. I think mm-hmm. we all know that. I think it's been the topic that's always talked about. Um, but with me personally, it it threw such a spin. So I think it was like maybe a few weeks before everything shut down. I remember having a meeting with all the worship, you know, no, like normal. And there was just a series of things that were on my heart that was like, all right, this needs to be the vision. This has to happen. This has to take place. And so we got everybody together and we kind of laid it all down. And then like a couple weeks later, everything shut down. Mm. And I was sitting there like, oh, yeah. like, that was really weird. Mm. Okay, whatever, Lord. Okay, so you have all this time of, of a lot of people disappearing, a lot of people uh, no longer fellowshipping at the chapel. Um, and then everything starts kicking back up. And so you see a lot of faces gone. A lot of these things take place. Mm. But kind of what Alex was talking about, to see the ones that remained, the ones that decided to say, you know, I'm going to stay. I'm going to continue to move forward. And to see their growth and to see what the Lord's been doing and is continuing to do has been such an amazing thing. That's the heart of the ministry, Mm. right? You know this. It's to watch these young men and young women grow in the craft that God has given them and use it to His glory. And so it's... It's cool because you're seeing that take place, mm. and and I just get such a joy, joy out of that. Um, mm. And so the ministry, the worship ministry right now, um, we had a meeting again, and it was like, what am I going to share with the Lord? You know, you go through all, the, all right, what we're going to do, and it was just like reestablish what you what we did before. You know, mm. it's like okay, cool. So we did that, and I think everybody just really grabbed onto it. Mm. And so <clears throat> we have a handful of like older girls and a couple of younger men. Um, or older men anyways, uh, young, older. So it's like, you know, you get the kids mm-hmm. and you have like the younger. And the younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're seeing them start to like grasp uh, these things that are necessary to be uh, successful is not the right word, but successful in ministry. Mm-hmm. Effective. Effective. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a better word. Yeah, to be effective. And, uh, and you're seeing it just spiral and begin to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like that thing that you desire all the time inside mm-hmm. of ministry and you don't really ever like yeah. see it fully happen sometimes. Um, and it's happening. And it's it's exciting. I think it's kind of uh, exciting in general, like to because everybody, you know, has the thought when you're doing ministry or you're in ministry, like what you would do if you could start over, you know, like what you would do if you could do it, you know, from scratch again. And I think this is like a cool opportunity to like do that, right? Like COVID tore us all down in a way, but I mean then as things open up, like, here's the opportunity to say, like, hmm, like, what would I have done differently? Or what, what, what is God showing me? You know, and that, that's really going to show, I think, the Lord, too, who's in tune with him, because some people will just go back to business as usual, right? But then there's, like, this tugging, and I hear this a lot from other Christians, like, there's, like, this tugging in their heart to, like, really get in tune with what God's doing, because, he allowed it to happen, and therefore he gives us this opportunity to start something new. So that's kind of dope. But yeah. You know, I, I was involved in high school ministry for years at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs, and I saw that happen. I was there um, with Scott. I became a part of the leadership when Brendan took over. Mm. And then when Brendan left, most of the leadership there, with the exception of a few people, like kind of dwindled away. And I was one of the few people that transitioned into serving with Scott. And that was probably the closest I ever got to Scott, like that chapter. 
and then it built like a friendship between me and him that to this day like scott calls me so um i just i just feel like that was super dope to see that transition so mm -hmm. i could imagine like covid yeah. starting over that sounds yeah. really well, dope. what was cool with aaron for me personally what i saw and where you're at now is because i was leading the youth worship yeah. and i would always ask you like hey like are you available <laughs> and you had this gift and i knew it was kind of like something that you were just the door wasn't open there and i would all i think i i knew i could sense that so i'd be like hey like you know when you're ready dude yeah but like i would like my selfishness was like <laughs> dude i want to bring him in yeah. so he could help and then right after i left he was like i will go forward <laughs> and so he jumps in and 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 it's super to me special to see how because i see you do on sunday mornings mm -hmm. wednesday nights friday nights when you're with the group and I know what that feels like to be up there with the youth, yeah. to feel like uh, some of them are, are at different places in their walks and they're like kind of experiencing now, trying to transitioning from teenager to young adult. Yeah. And there's this joy that comes with it. So I look at what you're, the season that you're in and I'm just like, dude, I dig it. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I'm sure that's like a really cool moment when you have those Sundays and Wednesdays and you know, when you're doing worship with them. But that's yeah. cool, man. I'm proud of you, dude. And just to go rewind a little bit, so, because I know there's people that will be listening. Mm -hmm. So we actually go to Calvary Chapel Golden Springs. As, you know, oh, yeah. I yeah. think we didn't talk about that. So it's right, kind of yeah. like, yeah, we're in the high school ministry. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Golden Calvary Springs. Chapel Golden Springs is serving underneath uh, Raul Reese and um, uh, Scott Salamet is our uh, immediate overseer. Yeah. to put labels on it. So, yeah, just sure. to get that. And I feel like <laughs> you, you were like juggling ministries for a season but now you're kind of just like just high school is that right yeah which is good that's good to put yeah. your focus there was that like a long time ago that you made that decision no, or was actually that recently? it was after covid and that's so weird, weird how we talk about it like it's like a, a moment in time it um is. i know it's crazy <laughs> it's, it's pre-covid yeah, pre after covid so it was pretty cool and one of the first things the Lord showed me when COVID happened was that he's still speaking. Mm -hmm. And that was cool. So like Aaron was saying, for, during that season, he was speaking loud and clear. And a lot of us just had to like tune our hearts and our mind to, to focus and hear from him. And so for a lot of us, it was weird because like, like you just mentioned, I was in like every ministry, I felt like, like mm -hmm. every day of the week, I felt like I was at church and it was fun. It was exciting, but you can tell you get exhausted at times. Um, but then COVID happened and it forced you to alone time and mm. it actually was a time of growth spiritually and a time of discerning and mm. trying to um, understand where the Lord wants you specifically uh, so to speak and so for me after that came um, post-covidism and um, mm. it was cool because it towards the end of it I was reaching out to certain overseers just saying like hey like I'm gonna step out um, just gonna focus on spending time with my family because that was one of the first things the Lord mm. showed me was like you need to love your family you need to be there for them um, and so um, those hard conversations with the Lord no, no, no. To tell people uh, I'm going to be stepping down. Was that a hard? It was probably harder for me than it was for oh. the person receiving it. So, for example, one of them was Wade. I would do Thursday night pursuits, uh, the young adults, and I was there um, all the time with them as well. Um, but talking to him, it was very easy. Of course, he's really encouraging. But my spirit's like, oh, I don't want to hurt his feelings. Or I don't hurt anyone's feelings. Like, I want to be there. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't want him to think, like, oh, like, I'm backsliding. Because that's one of the first things, like, I think we think about when we're yeah. telling somebody we're stepping down. It's like, oh, they're going to think we're backsliding or something like that. <laughs> um, but that was something that I just it went for it. We, talk, we had an awesome conversation. We still have an awesome relationship now. Mm -hmm. um, Sounds like a loyalty thing. 
That's funny because we've been talking about that all the time. Pun intended. Yeah, mm. I know. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I like I like what you just shared um, for a couple of reasons. I think there's a lot of people dealing with anxiety, and they stay what they would consider to be loyal to the Lord in something that they feel like they should step away from. And there's a lot of anxiety over how you'll be perceived, you know. And I, w- I want to just share real quick something that God taught me. Um, concerning that subject in that um, I, I really suffered for being loyal for the sake of being loyal. Mm. Um, I realized only hindsight looking back, and I don't think there's anything anybody could have said to change me at the time because in my heart I was convinced that being loyal was what God wanted me to do, right? Mm. But as I look back, I realized that my, my desire was to be a loyal guy, Right. And so in the name of holding up that title, I was willing to pay any price to make sure that I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. I've admired other people this way. I'm going to be there's no way that Mikey Sanchez is going to walk away from this not being the loyal guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And in a weird way, it manifested the face of pride because I was more worried about what I was coming across as than I was just being in tune with obedience to God. And I, now at this point, I will gladly trade in, like, upholding what I'm coming across as. I'd gladly trade that in for just straight obedience to God's voice, like in tune with God's voice, obedient, mm-hmm. and, and allowing yourself. Because think about some of your favorite characters throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Bible, and the way they may have appeared to a bunch of people in the midst of them being obedient to God, right? Mm. I mean, how ridiculous was it for Moses, who is now a stuttering guy, to go into the presence of Pharaoh and be like, uh, hey, I'm here because, you know, God said for you to let all these people go, you know? And and you got to understand at the time, that's like ridiculous. And he's feeling like he's not the guy for that job. So setting aside all of the how I feel about these situations for straight, blind obedience to God's voice and... And, you know, God bless freaking Wade. He's so dope, isn't he? Like, I, everything I've ever come to Wade about, like, like, hey, man, like, uh, I, and he's just like, like, fully understanding, totally cool. Never has that thirsty vibe. Yeah. Wade never has that, like, no, you can't, like, this. He yeah. never grabs, you know what I mean? He's cool. Yeah. But, but uh, that's, do you, I'm curious because you talked about it, like, do you feel like there's a difference between you, um, the guy who's, focused on one thing that God's called you to do versus you, the guy who was doing a bunch of things all with intention to please God. Like mm-hmm. not, I mean, I want to make this clear because there's somebody right now that could be listening, right? Who's like, they're, they're not just doing everything to be popular or be, mm-hmm. cause that's not never been your character, like not to shine or look like a certain way, but the difference, is there a difference in you? You feel like from being in multiple places versus honing down to one? Yeah, actually I'd like to share it in a kind of a testimonial way. Knowing the Lord desired me to not do so much at the church specifically, nothing against the church, but doing a million ministries. Um, after COVID, I decided to continue going Thursdays. And it wouldn't just be pursued, be the men's. I did the men's. I did all these things, just never being home. And my grandma came to visit um, from Vegas. And she visited Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, left Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. She was at my house all three of those days. I had said maybe two or three words to her the entire time she was mm-hmm. there. 
And when she left, conviction just flooded me. It was like, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, like I am doing something terribly wrong. Um, so in the midst of that, it was on my knees, like, Lord, I'm sorry, um, let's fix this. And so what the result was me stepping out of just Thursdays in general and um, just being open for that. Because again, in COVID, it was love your family. You know what I mean? Like whatever they're going through, just love them. Mm-hmm. And so you go through this, okay, Lord, okay, Lord. And then you just decide like, ah, oh, but it's good to go to fellowship. It's good to go be loyal. It's good to go like listen, you know, like Dale's awesome. Like why not mm-hmm. listen to Dale? Yeah. Like you, you get this like, yeah, like you get pumped up and you do this mm-hmm. thing. But then you look back and you're like, oh my goodness, like that was a terrible idea because what happened was no fruit. Like the family who I'm called to love, the one who visits not that often mm-hmm. said two words to her the entire time. So going back to answering your question, there's peace now. There's peace knowing that I'm doing what God's called me to do and I'm not forcing my hands into a million other things. Mm-hmm. I'm not being stretched thin. I'm doing what he's called mm-hmm. me to do um, and outside of that. And, and again, we, we, we serve in a very particular ministry outside of church, our work. You know I mean? It's, it's crazy out there, mm-hmm. um, but we have this opportunity to share and be a light to them. Share a little um, bit about what you guys do yeah. just for people listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we install solar panels on roofs. So, <laughs> so, so you guys are yeah. those guys like, hey, you guys can save a lot of money. No, I can't even tell you how much it costs to get solar on your house. I just yeah. put it on there. Mm. And that's beautiful because <laughs> I don't, do I've that. never been huge on sales anything. I always feel like I'm manipulating, like I'm trying mm. to like, and, and nothing against anyone who does it, but just, just for me, it's like a conviction. Like, just don't yeah. do it. So it's good knowing that my job is literally to take what you bought and put it on your house. So mm. any questions you have in regards <laughs> to money or anything, I don't know. And I can say that confidently. I have no idea what you pay, mm. and I have no idea about anything, but I know how to install your system install from it the right. beginning to the end. <laughs> yeah. It'll work. Yes, flawlessly. I know that much. And, and that's what we do, basically. Yeah. But um, as far as ministry is concerned, I think it's pretty... I think this may be of encouragement to those who um, are looking towards finding jobs outside of church-related things is is simply that there's ministry everywhere. There is a lost world. There are people who need Jesus. They need it. And if we close our minds and our, our bodies and everything to just the the, the, the circle of, of Christianity, you're mm. going to lose out on what God wants mm. to do, which is to save the world. There's ministry everywhere. There is ministry in church. There's people who need to be loved and encouraged. Yes, for sure. Um, but we get to serve in a different capacity. And it's not for everyone, for sure. It's hard because mm. um, the world is 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 angry. The world is... is in despair, the, the, they, there's just so much danger out mm-hmm. there too. Like you, there's so many stumbling blocks. There's so many things like that. So for us, I know it, it encouraged us to be more strengthened in the Lord. It's like, we cannot leave our houses without spending time with the Lord. Like there's like just certain mm-hmm. avenues. Like I need to hear your voice. I need to hear from you before yeah. I even step out my door because it's crazy out mm-hmm. there. Right. Um, so with that, we're getting all kinds of questions. Like I'm sure we can go on forever about this stuff, but there's just, they're itching. They want to yeah. hear, they want to hear, they want to hear about, this hope you have, and especially during COVID, where everyone is going crazy, mm-hmm. they would like joke like, "Oh, like why are you so okay? Ha ha ha!" It's like because I have the peace of the Lord. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and the door opens, and you get to share with them. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going with that. So, no. And, so in in the morning, because I want to get you guys a picture. Yeah, you, yeah. You a picture. <laughs> so in the morning, we meet up at a shop, right? And we get our material, we get everything ready for the day, and then you get inside your box truck and you drive to a job site that can be as close as five minutes and as far as today, 45 minutes. I like right? this already, dude. Box truck talk. So it could be a, a short drive or a long drive. And sometimes when you're driving to, you know, he'll come from OC to to uh, to South LA or we'll go to Redlands or different areas we'll go to. So hours on the road. Hours right? on the road is what I'm trying to get exactly. Yeah. So you're stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> Joy. Yeah. Well, they're talking about every 
uh, ugly and nasty thing you can think of um, being in construction. Yeah. Construction is what They're it is. They're the worst. They are the worst. Yeah, big time. And so as you're in that environment, you, you know, you know you're called to love and to be a light. And so you ask the question constantly, like, what does that look like? And we know for sure it's a, a huge measure of your conduct, right? Mm-hmm. How you speak, how you uh, hold yourself when stressful situations begin to happen. How do you how do you hold yourself, right? So you say like, oh, that's like your character trait. You're a good guy. Hmm. You're like, yeah, but if you would have known me before Christ, hmm. this would not be me right now. Mm-hmm. Even in Christ a few years ago, this was not me, mm-hmm. right? And so this last week, actually yesterday, I had the opportunity to share with the uh, high school uh, leadership and that day, yesterday, had one of the most amazing conversations with one of my, one of my coworkers. Just question after question after question after question. And just really, uh, any question I receive, I, I try to take it um, as Jesus would take it or Ravi would take it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's always to go to the heart, right? Always trying to get to the heart of that person um, in whatever angle it mm-hmm. is. And so without going into detail with that conversation... Um, you can if you want to, by the way. Well, don't feel. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. Want, I don't want to go yeah, too because yeah. I think we'll segue too far out yeah, outside yeah. of what we're talking about. So, um, without getting too deep on that, um, the conversation was so amazingly fruitful, mm. and I would not have been able to have this conversation with this man mm-hmm. if I hadn't said yes, Lord. I'll go work on a roof and yep. get rid of the close to management position that I had mm. before, and where it was cushy and awesome job, and go sweat all day long Hmm. but with that um with our job it it comes with that yeah and it's the joy of my life at the end of the day i can literally have the worst day at work i can have the most terrible everything goes wrong (laughs) but you give me an opportunity to share the love of christ for five minutes Hmm. there's no worries in the world anymore like i'm doing what i'm what i'm what i what i was born to do yeah you you know what's super cool about this portion of the conversation I'm, i'm glad it came up is because um, I think a majority of people are called to the work world yeah. versus the majority, like it's not the majority that's called to full-time ministry when you look at the broad spectrum of Christianity. And yet Christians have a hard time doing ministry outside of the walls a lot of times. Hmm. And yet you have a majority of Christians called to be outside of the church walls as far as their ministry, right? And so... Um, I, I, I love that. I love that story that you're sharing, um, about a coworker and there's something that I found that gives me a voice in, in a coworker, um, that I didn't have prior. Okay. So I did evangelism before, but evangelism for me prior to being in the work world was borderline gimmicky it was like mm. i would use my mm. i would use like my my i had some people that would go with me that would follow the the step programs that mm-hmm. they kind of seen on the internet or whatever like hey when you approach someone say this say that say right, these things right. Right. Comfort. Yeah, Great yeah, comfort yeah yeah yes. or or the other one that i did often was because i did music or hip-hop or anything like that is i would go with somebody who had like a box right where they make mm. a beat and then go somewhere and people start listening and then I got a crowd and now I could turn it into an evangelistic moment. And so that nothing wrong with that. I think God really honored that at different chapters in my life, but making, but see, I can't teach, I can't teach the average person how to do that. Right. Right. Because not everybody does those things Mm -hmm. or you could teach them a gimmicky, like, Oh, say these different things to somebody and it's an effective way to open up a door. But let me tell you something that will fly open a door. When you brush elbows with somebody day in, day out, and they're pushing their body the same way you're pushing your body, mm. 
you will earn their ear, dude. Yeah. You you and this goes for anybody. It doesn't matter if you're in retail dealing with annoying customers or if you're when 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 non-believers watch another person bend and twist and and burn and struggle and fight and fatigue all of that stuff alongside you you've you've entered into their their space yeah. of their attention right and and you'll find and i'm sure you guys see this that it's actually less of a orchestrated attempt and more of just an honesty yeah. like you're just with people right and they're it starts off for me with simple things like someone trying to show me a picture of some hot chick on their phone or something, <laughs> and i'm just like like I won't look. They're like, hey, dude, look at this chick, you know, right. and I just keep driving yeah. or just not even right. look. And it's like, like the first thing, 90% of the time, like, what are you, gay? Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right, right. But, right. It, dude, it, fly, it, it, it literally, a door flies open because yeah. you, you're all, they're super intrigued just from that alone, just yeah. from you denying them something that every person's like, oh, dang. And I always wonder in my mind when that happens, like, dude, how often can you hear just the same reaction from somebody, you yeah. know, like, aren't, like, and and one of the my favorite things I like to say is like there's nothing I haven't seen before like yeah I yeah. promise you like no bro but no I promise you it's, it's nothing I haven't seen before and they're just like and and then like probably like the same question the same conversation you had people start to inquire yeah they're like why do you do that yeah they're just why curious like they're that? just yeah mm-hmm. and they, and that's a beautiful thing so I hope I, I don't know I hope that people would eliminate that. Christians particularly, that idea that my ministry is where I do ministry and then this is my life. Yeah. There's there's an interesting balance I was taken through by the Lord himself, dude. When I first got saved, I was doing in and out burger, part-time ministry, a lot of ministry. And I had this really cool balance as a like newborn Christian where I was like spending a lot of time at the church. I'd work at in and out burger in the secular world and I felt like I was kind of bold enough at the time to like just start like sharing with people. And I felt like I was in this sweet spot where it was like, get energized by the Holy Spirit, go out into the world. (laughs) And I was like, cool. Like, and then it went from that to working 40 plus hours on average a week, not having very little or having very little time at the church and feeling like whenever I made it to the church, I was like sliding barely in the mm. home base. Like, okay, like I'm in, I'm here, home. I'm home, I'm safe. And then I would get back out there to the secular job, now working with construction workers, and Brutal. like file, <laughs> yeah. and like about here. also too <laughs> feeling like like the run of the litter of this company that I was working with at the time. Mm. So just feeling like depressed at times, just like man, God, like what what's going on. And then God allowed me to grow a little bit in that, that field. And then he took me then from there to the church 100% of the time, being full-time ministry. Mm. And that got, which I was thinking like, yes, the Holy Land, dude. I made it to the promised <laughs> land, dude, right? I'm like there. That's the and all of, a, about, all of a sudden, dude, I just felt like, dude, and my dad always says this, there are giants in the land, dude. Mm. And I realized once I was in the church that it was no longer my safe zone anymore. Mm. And let me explain why that is, is because I realized like, dude, I'm working with sinners. (laughs) I'm a sinner and I'm here full time. Like I'm here all the time and I I can't escape. I can't run from myself. I can't run from other people who are also sinners. Mm. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to therefore leave because there's hypocrisy 
or am I going to try to be uncompromising, have my integrity and be a light to people? Mm. And it's what I'm saying. I'm not bashing on the church. And when I was working there, like right. I, I just had this realization. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I had this yeah. realization that I myself was just a sinner that the, the building wasn't the holy, keeping me holy anymore. <laughs> right, right. And then the Lord had let me go through that. And I went from there to then God's like, okay, now I'm going to take you back out and have you down doing ministry mm. and the workforce. And I just see like, okay, seasons, man, mm. seasons. Mm. And that's, that's something I'm learning is like, dude, we're always going through seasons, always going through seasons. Yeah. Something you said right now just triggered uh, a conversation, triggered a thought of a conversation I was, I was having, um, I was having with you earlier today about, um, and one thing that Christ has really been ministering to me in is that the world is the bride of Christ. Hmm. Um, that we're Christians, not the, you know, that people are the bride of Christ. And, um, as you're speaking like about this mentality of like the church being the safe zone and I'm good here, but then once you're pulled out, and you're being tainted by your surroundings. You guys know this feeling like even when it's not your sin, you feel like you're affected by everybody else's sin. It's just like, it's just like constant, like array on you of like filth, you know? Um, but what that kind of tells on us as, as the bride, like when you're sharing is that it's kind of like those relationships where somebody's in love with the idea of being in love rather than being in love with the person. Mm. And so they love the idea of being a wife or they love the idea of like having a home or creating something, but they're not really in love with that person. Right. And, and when I look at that, I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. And I'm certain that Christ doesn't want that from me. Right. So when we're like showing him that our Christianity is healthy because of the house rather than because of him, Mm. like he's got to teach us, that it's mm. got to be about him, right? Yeah. Like we got to learn to make that transition from uh, the fact that we're in love with the Lord is not because we're around a lot of people that say we're in love with the Lord. And that's how, I mean, it's easy to be like, man, praise the Lord. Like those words don't come out of my mouth in the secular world. Right. That church mm. it comes out easy, right? Wow, yeah. praise the Lord, bro. You know, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. but see, so I'm not really praising the Lord. What mm. it is, is that I've scenarioized in the church, like something that we do yeah. and my loyalty has become to, the idea, right? Like, like a woman in love with the idea of being in love or in love with the idea of being a wife, but not really in love with her husband. Right. So Mm. that's kind of like what I feel Mm. like he's talking about. Like, had he stayed in that in and out part time, full times being at the church or around a bunch of people, it really doesn't um, demand it to be about Christ Mm. because it's about culture. It's about church culture. It's about, Mm. and I don't want to demonize those things. I don't want to, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with growing and being around Christians. I'm just saying that I think the Lord is most pleased when we can narrow it into uh, being in love with him, dude. I think that's interesting. I, I, so I used to work for Saints Off-Road. I quit uh, February. That's when I went to solar. Now, three years before that, I was working for another company, Metal Container. And I look back at that time frame. I was Christian, obviously, at the time. I look back at my conduct while I was there. I look back at how I approached situations while I was there. And during that time, actually, was when I was getting involved, barely starting to get involved in the high school ministry. Mm. And 
I remember it not being as Christ-like as I would want it to be. Mm. And in talking about like seasons and how God brings us to this place of like recognizing these things now, it's such an amazing journey to be a part of. Mm. Um, it's cool because I look back at that time and God's love and his reach towards me um, has never changed. My, one of my favorite um, attributes of God, or not one, but my favorite attribute of God is his faithfulness. Mm. Mm. So I look at that time and I see how much he was just doing a work in my heart and I didn't even see it. I didn't even recognize it. Um, but how wretched and how ugly I was really. And, and just in all, all matters, I was trying, I guess you could say, but, but there was a genuine, um, a problem that was sin, right. Within my own heart that I was still wrestling with. And so then I go into saints off road, which was a cool uh, step of faith where I took a, quite a bit of a pay cut and lost all my benefits. And my wife's like, all right, this is what the Lord said. Like, we're going to go, you know? And I was like, all right, here we go. You know, jumping in the water. So we go there. And in the season of being there, um, I learned so much about leadership. I learned so much about how to uh, conduct my life, conduct who I am as a Christian, as a believer. And it kind of goes like what you were saying. Like, I was in a safe place. I was in a place of like, okay, I can like learn and grow here. Um, but once again, like you're dealing with sinners still, you still have these issues, you still have these problems and you still have to learn as a person to navigate through them, um, as a Christian rather, mm -hmm. how to navigate through them in such a way that brings, um, uh, uh, pleasure to our father's heart. Mm -hmm. And so then stepping now as of February into the world again, uh, it, it's, it's wild. Mm -hmm. It is so wild. Um, the way I conduct myself now mm -hmm. in the world would not have been able to um, been manifested if I would have stayed. I think, anyways, just mm -hmm. perception um, at the job before. No, well, that's a valid point, though, because you're looking at what God's how God's been changing you as He's been taking you and leading you places. So I, I see that in your story, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's it's really neat because I, I I see that and I'm like, okay, now Lord, going back to the whole idea of like a lot of these young men, and and I'm thinking of the young men more. Um, these young men that have been serving in the ministry, they've been faithful, they've been doing this, uh, this service to God uh, for such a long time. And my prayer, my hope is that they would say, you know what, I think it's time to take the seatbelt off, mm -hmm. the harness off of my car seat rather, and go and walk. Mm. Take the training wheels off. Take the training wheels mm. off. I have a young man right now, actually, I was saying earlier, um, Sebastian, he's, He's doing that right now. Mm. And I'm so excited for him. Um, there's like a nervousness in my heart because I'm like, mm. Lord, like, don't let him fall away. Keep mm. him, please. You know, because it's, it's hard. You know, yeah. it's really hard out there. But um, mm. it's I'm excited. Super is. Yeah. It is. But it's such a cool thing because that's when you hit the ground running and the Lord begins to come through. Because yeah. once again, it's not you. Yeah. It's not like, okay, Mikey, you go out, Alex, Sal, you go out and you you go and be this, you know this Elijah, it's like, no, you be you. Yeah. Mm. And God's like, and I'll do the rest. Yeah. It's such an amazing, amazing mm. thing. I think uh, Sal touched on it, exactly what we're all talking about, seasons. Mm. And I think it's seasons, so cool yeah. for two reasons. One being, it's a living God. Like, he's alive. And so it wasn't that we got saved and now it's just go serve. It's like mm. every single moment is a learning experience as long as we continue to, to draw closer to the Lord. Yeah. And so, like, you reflect in your life, that's encouraging to me. You, it's encouraging to me. Um, the other point I wanted to make was I remember 
recently, uh, one of my coworkers just kept ranting about me being like this good person. He kept saying like, yeah, like the guy that doesn't cuss, the guy that doesn't um, drink, the guy who doesn't like do all these things. And like, I was like, for a moment, I was kind of proud of myself. Like, cool, cool, cool. But I had this immediate conviction again. Like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the good person. I want to be the light of the Lord. I want people to see me and see Jesus. I don't want them to see me and say, that's the good guy. Right. That's the guy that goes to church. You know what I mean? And so I'm in that season right now where it's like, all right, Lord, like I'm acting a certain way, so to speak, but I'm not giving off the, at least help me give more of light. Let, let me show them Jesus. Let me let them see the reflection of him in my life, not just being a good person, so to speak. And so I think it's cool as we're talking about seasons, like that's just where I'm at. Um, I don't know. It's cool. Mm. Big time. I, I want to ask you guys, because... Speaking of seasons, you guys have been... How long have you guys been saved now? Hmm. 2012. July 13, 2012. So how many years is that? Eight years? 2012. I don't do math. We're in 2012. Yeah, so that's like eight years. And 20 about, minus 12. Yes, yeah, 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 what about you? Okay, yeah. 2013. Okay. So... About a year less. Yeah. Okay, so tell me that story because I I know a little bit about it, but I really don't know like the depth. Of you want it. to go first? You want to go first? I think I'll go first. Yeah, right? because, because he's been saved longer yeah, than yeah, you. Yeah, no, I'm just trying to know the natural order. Like yeah. you might be he older. Gets saved and then you're still not saved in the timeline, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm curious. Right. I don't I never heard the story. No, yeah, because I think my story in a way will segue to yours. It will. Okay. Okay, so where do I start? Um, okay, so we grew up in the church, in a church. And in growing up in the church, for me personally, his will be a little bit different, but for me, it was uh, Sunday was the holy Christian life. Everything was amazing. Um, you know, we're all, you know, hair tucked over and bow tie just right, and it was all good. What kind of, just curious, small church, big church? It was a... Uh, it was a medium-sized church. It yeah, was we'll big. It was nothing size. in comparison to Golden Springs, but it was it was a nice medium-sized church. Okay. It, was, it was well big. Yeah, it was a lot of people who went. Went. Um, it was a Baptist church. Okay. So it was a little more formal, um, but there was like a looseness to it as well. So it was kind of like a. Yeah. Uh, it was nice. It was. It was yeah. Yeah. It was okay. Flavorful. I'm, I'm church, getting. I'm say. getting an idea of what. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Brickstone building, big steeple, white. No, nice. Literally. It's actually, oh, beautiful. It's actually okay. really, really beautiful church. Oh, uh, what? Where is this? I mean, what? What? You're living out here? Bellflower. Bellflower. Okay. Bellflower. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Born and raised Bellflower. Well, I'm born, but yeah, yeah. Okay, got you. So uh, brought home to Bellflower from the hospital. Um, <laughs> so Sunday was like, you know, it was good. It was it was a good, awesome Sunday. We go get Sunday brunch at Eastside Mario's. It was all good in that. Uh, as soon as Monday hit, uh, it was it was for me. It was it was hell. You know. Uh, Monday to Saturday was was uh, just constant issues in the home and mm-hmm. okay Christian mm-hmm. home Christian home right again again once again though so his age was kind of like you his era was a little bit different than mine it was uh, my oldest sister uh, my older brother oldest brother then Alex then Daniel and me me and Daniel had a little bit of a different um, upbringing so to speak than Alex and Ryan and Alicia a little bit. Um, but so for me, the experience that I had was, was always just like issues and stuff, right? Um, which then led me to just diving into just drugs, alcohol, and every which way perversion that I can uh, uh, find. Now, just because just I'm naturally curious, yeah. like, like issues like parents not getting along? Right. Okay. Right, right. And with that was all everything else. I mean, you know. I think all of us kind of had different little issues that we Now, was, were they still saving face at church at the time? Or no? Like church kind of hit and miss starts going on, or I think I think 
I don't know. Okay. Okay. I don't really remember, to be honest. I'm I just, think, I think it so. comes to the moment where you get really into your own life, especially in the teenage years, where nothing that around you, like, really is that important anymore. Yeah. Gotcha. Anymore. So you're disconnecting. You're starting you're to disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, remember, I remember middle school was like a moment where it was like, all right, like, Lord was like, Aaron, I love you. Uh, you can follow me. And I was like, nah. I mm. love getting high. I love going out and drinking. Like, yeah. You know, it all started uh, sixth grade, going into seventh grade, and it, from then on, it was just like, no, I like this a lot. Um, so fast forward, um, high school was just a, a a pretty rough patch. The drugs got harder, and uh, the partying got thicker, and um, the perversion got worse. Um, and it came to a place where I was uh, really dwelt in some pretty uh, hard drugs um, uh, my senior year. And I remember going, I graduated barely from a continuation school. Um, I barely graduated and I went out to Vegas to go watch my cousin graduate, the same age. And so I go out there and I remember getting there and my aunt Donna, um, she's been a Christian for a long time. I remember going inside the house and there was this peace that stayed. And it's a peace that I had felt one time before, one time before. Uh, when the Lord really touched my heart um, right before I started going deeper into drugs. Um, but I remember there was this peace, and it stayed. I was there for about two weeks or so, and this peace was there the whole time. And it was the weirdest thing to me at the time because I was like, I, I don't know what this is. Hmm. I think it's like that God thing, you know? Like I knew the right words to say, but it was, it was, it was crazy. I was blown away. And so as I... Um, was there, I basically went to my aunt and I was like, I don't want to tell you the details, but can I stay? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, let me talk to your uncle and let's see, you know? Mm-hmm. And so long story short, I stayed there for a year um, and God had a crazy plan for me um, to be there, uh, which I think we'll get to eventually. Um, but I stayed there for a year, started working my first jobs and whatnot. Um, didn't come to the Lord, but I was no longer doing drugs, so mm. I was that good person. But wow. I was still drinking. I was still partying. I was still like, you know. So you just told your parents, "Hey, I'm I'm staying with my aunt." Yeah, my it. mom was not having it. Okay. Oh man, that was bad. But <laughs> it was it was necessary for me. Okay. I knew that if I was to stay, that it would either be um, burial or jail. Mm. Um, I knew that for sure. And so, I uh, I stayed there for a year. I remember going to EDC with a group of friends, and in my head, what I was is like, EDC? EDC is Electric Daisy Carnival. So I can tell you all about it. I just got into his oh, world. Um, but so my drug of choice, one of my drugs of choice um, was ecstasy. Um, I got into everything else, and um, uh, heroin was the was the one that basically led me to go to Vegas. And so, uh, but but ecstasy was like my my thing. Um, to this day, it's one of those things where, like, I'll get, like, this urge and this thought, and it's like, mm, you know? And you're like, so I go to EDC, and I'm there, I'm drinking, I'm thinking, like, I'm good, you know? I don't need I don't need it. I'm cool. Like, I don't need to go find it. I don't need to go find it. And it came to a point in the second night that it was like, nah, I need this. I need this. I need, I need, I need to get it. And so even though my buddy and my friends that I was with, they were basically saying, like, nah, dude, you're good, you're good, you're good. I like how to slip away from them. I'm like hiding from the people that Your I'm partying with. Your own friends. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like slipping away like, hey, 
That's when you know you really got a problem. Yeah, huh? yeah straight up. You People know? that so, don't even judge you, you're hiding from them. Huh? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And so um, I ended up getting my fix and did my thing. And I remember we were driving out. It was a super long line to get out. It literally took like probably an hour and a half. I had to go to work that morning. Um, but I remember driving out. Yeah, that's what we did. We were, yeah. 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 I remember driving out, and I'm sitting in the back seat, and I'm looking up at the top of the um, the car, and in my heart, I'm like, Lord, I can't run from my problems. The time that I was at Vegas, my sister had come to the Lord and recognized my brother Daniel's uh, drug problem. Um, she had come to the Lord, and she was sending me, like, uh, whosoever stuff and Ryan Reese, and, like, I'd watch, like, little bits of it. It was the Murder Your Flesh CD. Mm. And so I'm watching like these little bits of it, and I'm like, yeah, I can turn it yeah. off. Yeah, I'm turn it off. And all these things are running through my mind as I'm sitting inside this car, and I'm like, I gotta go home. I, I, I recognize that the problem wasn't drugs, the problem wasn't sin, um, or excuse me, the problem wasn't partying and the perversion. That the problem was it was sin. Mm. It wasn't the 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 things that I was doing necessarily. It was a thing within my heart. It's where you had gone in your heart, and these were the byproducts. Exactly, of that. exactly. Not to dumb down sin. No, so, yeah, but yeah, but, no. but with that, it was like a like Lord, I need you. I knew I knew his word. I knew what Separate, he had said. You were running from God. Totally, totally. Yeah. And and it's crazy because all throughout my entire life, uh, while I was wilding out and partying and doing all these drugs, man, I could tell you time and time again how many times the Lord spoke to my heart. Don't go here, Aaron. Don't smoke that. Don't drink that. Don't go to her house. Don't do this. It, it's wild to me when I look back. Like The Lord was so faithful um, to speak to my heart, even whenever I was far gone. Um, and so at this time I'm like sitting in the back of this car, I'm like, I gotta go home. So I ended up going to my boss and I, I quit and he's like freaking out. He's like, what dude? Like, you're looking about like trying to like move up here. And like, we're just literally last week talking about all this and now you're bouncing. And I just told him like, I, I gotta go home. So I come back home, I'm going along, but go back home. And, uh, I go to a Hustler Friday and, um, I don't remember what the message is on to be honest, but it was good. Uh, and it just hit right to the core. Was it like a single speaker? It was, it was Ryan. It was okay. back, it was back in the time when Ryan was doing a lot of his like events and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember going and, uh, the Lord just spoke so heavy to my heart, man. And, uh, I had just such a strong conviction of sin and I was like, man, Lord, I need you. And so I remember one thing I do remember is Sammy Sebus was playing mm-hmm. and, um, as he was playing, it just, it, it hit me so hard and I was like, all right, Lord. Uh, and it was one of those things I remember, like, you know how Ryan would be like, I know there's somebody out yeah, there right yeah. now. Their, 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 their leg is shaking, <laughs> their heart is bumping, yeah, like, yeah. you want to, you know? And, yeah. and I'm just like, yeah. it's me, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so, but I remember, I can literally pinpoint the exact spot that I knelt down before the altar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember falling on my knees, and uh, that same peace that I had in my aunt's house for those mm-hmm. two weeks that mm-hmm. I was there just flooded my heart. I remember this warmth just, just filling, filling every part of my being. And the Lord was just like, you're mine. Mm. You're mine. I love you. I'm what's here. what's your your guys' relationship with each other at that point? Are you guys in contact with each other? Did you know he just did, no, was doing this? No, not at all. Not did at you know all. he was doing drugs? Honestly, no. Wow. Yeah. A lot of issues. Mm. So, what were you? What were you uh, yeah. I don't, I, what's I don't going on? Yeah. <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can finish it. I don't uh, know. Yeah. No, okay. So, yeah, because I think if I go a little bit further to start segueing into him. So, for the next year... Um, we as a family, um, all in our different places, um, began to watch my brother Daniel, uh, uh, suffer from addiction. 
um, of heroin. Um, was that his drug of choice? Mm-hmm. Is he older than you? He's uh, yeah, two years older than me. Okay, and, and he's younger than you. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, in between you two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that that following week, um, I remember going to um, another event with him, and he ended up giving his life to the Lord. And it's a crazy thing to see take place because, like, he, he gave his life to the Lord, right? And for that next year, he was in and out of jail for probably, like, 85 90% of the year. What event was that? Just curious. Do you remember? Actually, his was, um, what was it called? It was the, where well, they did the homosexuals. Oh, I right, right, right. He, he, he wasn't gay. Don't get yeah, wrong. Yeah. But, um, but it was that yeah. one. It was that one, yeah. I forgot what it was called. I, I, w- was I went called. to that one. Yeah, I, I was went there. to, like, all of them. Did you after go? That. Yeah. Dude. After that, it was like every Friday. I used night, to like that group they had that did those crazy Bibles. Remember, they would like put ink on like the face of a Bible and put oh, like an okay. illustration. I don't know. They had a group of people that would go out there. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. So, so he go, you go to that with him, and he uh-huh. gives his life to the Lord. But right. he, he's struggling or struggling bad, man. You know what I mean? So for the next year, you watched him in jail, mm. and I remember having conversations with him. And he would be just like sharing the Lord with me. He's in this jail cell, obviously. He's like, all he's doing is you know, thumping his Bible all day long. And um, it was really, really neat. Uh, it was this, this uh, portion of my brother that I finally got back after years that I didn't have. Um, both of us were deep into drugs since, uh, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth grade. And so having that back was super cool. So for the next year, you saw him uh, struggle and struggle. He's in and out of jail the whole time. Uh, just more and more warrants coming up and this and that. And, and so um, fast forward a year later, uh, he uh, came home. He was with us for uh, 11 days, and he went out and used one more time, and that was it. Um, after he had died, um, obviously it being literally the most difficult thing as a family to experience uh, my parents mother and father losing their son how old is he he's 22 years old 22. it being one of the not one of it being the hardest thing to go through i look back on the fruit of it the fact that me and him are in the Lord and, and we have this relationship unfortunately had to be a result of us losing him. The opportunities to be able to, to share in different capacities, whether it be at U-Turn for Christ or um, anywhere else for that matter, it, it was a result of us losing him. The closeness that we have as a family right now my parents even before this my parents were not good by any stretch after this I, I literally I see this relationship between my mom and my father that I've never seen I've never experienced it they may have I know that the older ones they were a little different but for me I never saw that and so to see the relationship they have now unfortunately had to come to re, uh, as a result of an unfortunate event mm-hmm. um, and so I'll leave it at that um, because I think this is where the page turns. I want to ask you real quick. Okay, was, was your relationship with your family, it's because from the story, you've, you seem kind of distant 
maybe I, I don't know if you were were you closer to your siblings than he was or was it's it's part of what I'll share. But okay. no, the answer is no. Okay, I, I, I probably think, was the worst in all of them. So I think we were all close in in a certain measure mm-hmm. because we all lived under the same roof. I mean, the four boys we literally had the same room for the majority of our life. So we were always close as like brothers. Yeah. But there wasn't as we we're talking about earlier like that brotherly um, friend love mm-hmm. that we talk about in the Bible talks about a friend that's just closer than a brother. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all had seasons where we were closer and seasons where we're not. Obviously, as young men and uh, young women, you, you go through your own seasons outside of Christianity and those seasons can involve many different things, um, certain party lives or whatever it is, uh, but you're somewhere doing something and so with that, you as you get older, you start to see that separation more and more. Um, and the distance that was really there in the heart begin to manifest in the flesh because of the fact that you're able to mm-hmm. be separate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I'll leave it at that. So where do you fit in? No, so like, yeah, but if you go, <laughs> no, as we go into that, have. okay, because I want to say something real quick too because I want to give free, free reign in, in your story. Um, so this is what I want to share, like, so much of who we are when we're growing up is what we perceive, right? So I, I've, I've had several incidences where I have a conversation like this and then I'll meet somebody that like knew, went to school with kid, uh, somebody like, let's say yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, he didn't seem like he was having, but people don't know, even like you guys being brothers, like people mm-hmm. don't always, you're only seeing what you're showing other people mm-hmm. and they also don't know from which lens you're perceiving everything around you, you know? So that's what makes sometimes, I mean, like questions like, uh, you know, he'll ask about you two or how you guys saw each other. And you might, you you may have seen you guys closer and he doesn't see you guys close or whatever. And I I just want to put that, I just want to put that out there because that, that lends to the the same story being very different, you know, when you're mm-hmm. talking, especially brothers, like mm-hmm. I know this, you know, when I talk about the way me and my brothers were raised and I listen to them talk about us being raised and I'm like, that's interesting, little differences. So I'm curious now, mm-hmm. like at your, you, you, from your perspective, like you grow up in church, but do you see that like we're a Christian family or you see young that you're not? Or I'm curious about your perspective on your upbringing or... For sure. Um, Upbringing, pretty close to Aaron's. We played the Christian part pretty well. I think as a family, we we fitted in really well. So people at church are like, what a loving Christian family. (laughs) Yeah, up until... Yeah, up until I would say... Until they caught him on the side (laughs) of the building. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, probably probably up until I was high school. He probably would have been middle school at the time or Mm -hmm. younger, sixth Uh, grade. Depending on part of high school, yeah. Yeah, 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 all of high school. Um, I think that's when what appeared to be fruit of the family truly started to be shown, which was no fruit, just not Christians, um, playing the part. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess that's my perspective of what, what you, at least to answer your question as far as the perspective of the family. Um, I don't think we were ever really close. Um, I think a lot of it was when we were in high school, me and my older siblings, um, he actually got sent to a different high school. And so we went to a high school, middle school combined. It was a 7th through 12th grade program. I went to one like that. Yeah, so we went to uh, Bellflower, and then him and my other brother went to Mayfair. 
And I think when that decision was made, I think there was a real division in the family, something that we didn't notice right away, but we saw the fruit of it later on. And I think that's apparent because honestly, I had no idea what they were doing in their lives. Granted, it wasn't their fault. I had my own very, very selfish circle I lived in. And I, when I say lived, I mean I lived. Like, if you were in my circle, I pretty much had no part of you. And it's very selfish, it's terrible, destructive. Um, but because of that, I didn't even pay any attention to them. And those are things that I wrestle with even to this day. Um, you know, regrets and things of the sort of things enemy will just totally throw in your, in your head to, to condemn you or whatnot. Um, but yeah, at the time, I don't think there was any real unity. Like, mm. to the point where I didn't want to go to any gatherings, like any kind of anything I'd want to know part of. And that started high school and went well beyond it. Um, but I would not consider myself a good older brother or right. even an older brother at that when that division took place. And what was your separation of choice? Was it that you were like, you had your own friends and they were your circle, your it world? It was friends. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was friends. And, um, you know, they had awesome traits in them. They were loyal people. I loved loyal people. Mm. Um, sinners, for sure. We did terrible things. But for some weird reason, I always gravitated towards my friends. Um, even though one of them was a compulsive liar. Crazy. Mm. I would gravitate towards him rather than my own family. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, the enemy or whatnot, whatever we could point the finger at. Ultimately, I was just a selfish human being, and I enjoyed the company of others rather than my family. Um, so, I mean, I guess it's a little bit different than what you thought, but I, I don't think at all um, we were ever really unified. Um, even, like, me and my older brother, we had a lot of issues even going to the same school. Um, I kind of hated him. Oh, okay. Yeah, not. I felt like he would use me as a tool to make himself look good. He's a Christian now. Things have changed tremendously. I mean, you're talking God about your that. perspective. But my perspective yeah. growing up, it was very much like I didn't want to be around him because I knew I was a target. Like I was going to be like made fun of or I was going to be like kind of like the, the fly, so to speak, um, for, for him and his friend's glory so that they can be like the cool kids. And obviously for a young kid trying to like fit in, trying to be whatever, like it didn't, t- it didn't feel right. You know what I mean? Right. So. Now, were you like kind of a, a more popular person or growing up as a kid? Or By not? association, which is kind of cool. Okay. Um, high school was easy for me because my sister and my brother were extremely popular. Mm. So <laughs> I didn't have to do anything. I was a Ray's brother. You know, I was always Ryan's brother. I was Alicia's brother. And being Alicia's brother was the best thing ever because she was like, you know, the, the, the pretty one. She mm. was like the homecoming, whatever. Like she was that person. So it was very easy by association to be popular. You they talked to all it. her friends. Yeah, and it would be super cool. Like, because you'd be like with your little dweeb friends walking and then like the senior would come like, hey, what's up, man? Like, how you doing? Of course, you're like, yeah, I'm super cool now because like by association, <laughs> sure. I'm her okay. brother. I got you. you. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd have to try very hard. I'm actually much more of an introvert. I kind of like to be I to see myself. That, yeah. mm-hmm. And so it's kind of cool to be the introvert and not have to be the target to anyone. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just like I was already cool because... I know yeah. cool people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, okay. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess that kind of yeah. answers your question. No. So, so what? What's the trajectory of your life? Like, you're you're growing once. Like, did do you remember being a Christian family and what transitioned out of that? Or are you just slowly being separated, wanting to gravitate towards your friend? You start, you start just associating with their ideas or beliefs, or you never believed in God, or. That's cool. Um, I'll start with. One of the first experiences I had with the Lord, that would be when we were younger. I don't know what grade I was. I would say maybe third or second, maybe. Um, my parents were watching A Distant Thunder. And I don't know if you've seen it. It's a really cheesy tribulation rapture kind of film. Yeah. Um, really cheesy. But <laughs> yeah. there was a scene in it that scared the heck out of me. Like, that was it. Like, from that moment on, I was going to hell. Like, that's the only thing in my brain was I was going to hell. 
I ran into my sister's room. My dad followed me, and he, he, he shared the gospel with me, and we prayed, and it was cool. I had this really cool peace, and I remember the next, uh, within the next few days, I was walking with my friends, and I told him, like, I'm a Christian now, and he was a, he was a pastor's kid, uh-huh. and he was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, like, I, I'm a Christian now. Like, I, I gave my life to Jesus. Like, I'm a Christian now. He's like, oh, and I guess he wasn't, I guess him and his dad never had that conversation yet. I don't know, because, like, later on that week, he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, like, I'm a Christian too now. So we're like, these cool Christian kids. Like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, like, we totally, like, we're, we're Christian now. And, and, and whatever, as a kid, that's cool. Like, that's a good yeah. thing, because you're not consumed with things around you. You're, you're now focused on, like, oh, wow, like, like Jesus kind of touched my life. It was awesome. Like, I have peace mm-hmm. and, like, joy. And, as and a kid, already being around, effective with other people. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I actually, I didn't even think about it until right now that you said that, because I never thought about it until now. Um, hmm. So that was like the beginning of like Christendom. That was like, oh, that's my life. Like I'm you know, this Jesus follower went to church, you know, Sundays. But again, there was no real relationship, I say, because there wasn't like a, a a reading of the word. There wasn't anything like that. My dad used to like bring us together and do Bible studies. And they were really awesome for my sister and for my older brother because they understood it at their age. They were older. Mm-hmm. But for us, we were kind of like, oh, let's get this over with. Like I want to go play video games or like I want to like, go do something else. And so we never had this in the family, so to speak, specifically. Like, I can't tell you a time when I was actually, like, reading until much later on. And so that was early on in, like, elementary school. And then as the years progressed, I just got involved in sin and not, like, anything crazy, just like the normal kids. You, you get tempted to curse, and now you're like, you, you curse now. You're, you're a cool kid, whatever. Yeah. Um, just to get along with people, you just did dumb things. And, and you know, yeah, in yeah. retrospect, like, that was terrible. The Lord would not have smiled upon it. Um, but it's a slippery slope. It starts with one thing, it goes into another, into another, into another, and, and sooner or later you're in this full-blown sin, so to speak. And hmm. crazy enough, I remember during that time, really dark moments in my life. I remember like being in like my bed and not being able to sleep and being terrified that I was going to hell. The craziest situations. I remember having convinced my brothers to have the TV on, because we all slept in the same room, like, hey, like we should have TV on at night. Um, like, let's be cool and watch TV. My dad would say, turn it off. And I'd be like, no, like, let's watch it. And it'd be just be really dumb, like Animal Planet things. But I needed it because it would keep my mind off mm. of this darkness that I kept feeling. It would happen, like, once a month, so to speak. And then it stopped for a while. Um, I remember it happened again. Um, not too many details, but I, it, we went to a, a, a trip to Washington, D.C. And they had a rally uh, of a sort where people were having like this this anti-abortion thing right in front of one of the the, the capitol building and so um one of the people rolled down this giant banner of like an aboard baby freaked me out mm-hmm. and then from that point on i had these moments of darkness all over again crazy mm-hmm. i just had this life of like years where but nothing clicked were go back to the lord there was no never like a like go read, go search things out. I always try to figure it out on my own. I've always had the issue since I was younger. I would overthink everything. Like, everything to me was a big deal. So it was like, it's not just a water. Like, we have to get to the core of it. What is, you know what I mean? Like, mm. for me, it's always questions, always questions, never answers. And so growing up, you would spin your mind out of control trying to figure out problems when, in fact, just the answer was the Bible. The answer was Jesus, and you just, I couldn't find it. Mm. Um, enter high school, probably about the end of my junior year, I started taking church serious because we were still going every Sunday. But at that moment, I started taking church serious and I started um, giving relationships serious as far as the Lord. And so um, I was reading now and it's pretty cool. I was like reading these stories I've never read before and they were like shining light. Like, oh, wow, this is super cool. And mm-hmm. um, 
again, I don't think there was ever like a relationship that was established. It's more of like, oh, like I know about this Bible now and these people I go to church with, they study this Bible thing. Like I should read it and come up with some cool stories. And um, it was awesome. Like it was like this cool little like uh, different group I was hanging out with that all did one thing together, which is read the Bible, mm. kind of, sort of. Um, yeah. Um, but that didn't stick long. And I think looking back now, it was just foundational. There wasn't Jesus, my rock. It was church culture um, association yeah, yeah we, i like how we talked about the earlier culture um that might have been before the podcast though um but that culture element like it was that it was like that 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 on the 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 christianity not on christ kind of thing you know like on religion and not jesus yeah kind we, of thing. we spoke on that in yeah yeah anything. for sure so it was like that and so of course when it's that that's sand and that's just gonna the wind's gonna blow you're gonna go crazy and that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened um a few rough things happened in my life and i forsake christianity and all the mm-hmm. things that went, i went straight into the world and that was the season when I disappeared from the family almost 100%. Like, I really had nothing to do with them. In fact, like, it hurts me to think about, like, everything they'd gone through. I had no part in it whatsoever. Um, towards the end of Daniel's life, I was able to kind of um, be a part of it. A lot of it is, like, I would take him to his, uh, his, little, his little rehab thing he had to go to. Um, things like that, and but I would try to like stay away from it because I guess I didn't have a solution, and I felt my life was better. My life was like, like already put together, which it wasn't as terrible, but like I had this little thing going. So did like you ever everyone deal, else kind of had to push away from it. Did you ever deal with drugs at all? No, um, wasn't your thing. It wasn't my thing, but everything else was, and so. Um, it's interesting how different they are, huh? In the same house growing yeah. up, and then yeah. they have like no, but there's uh, yeah. this kind of interesting story of like this guy's like in rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. And then we have Alex who's kind of like walking with God, but like on his own page and then kind of starts to kind of then really backslide. Mm-hmm. And then to like a really separated from everybody place though, which to be honest with you, mm-hmm. to me is you guys represent two things that really tear people down. One is the world winning in your life. And that's like drugs and all the, the, the addiction, the, the addictiveness to the fleshly things. And the other one is just the godlessness. Mm. Not, not that you're latching on to something that is got a hold of your life, but really just no God in your life. Just like detached from God, which those are two very deep and dark places. Um, but, I'm, but I'm curious as to what... Okay, so back to your story. You're you're separated now. Yeah, you're, you're selfish like, life on my own, away from anything. And in fact, I thought I was doing good because like they were like drugs. You know, what I mean, I was right. like, just drinking. Mm. You know, and, and things like that. Like I wasn't like doing drugs, so I was okay. You know, I was going to school mm. full time. I was on my way to get my degree. Like I was like doing this thing, which like from the world's perspective, you got to go in together, keep doing mm. that, and you'll be just fine in the end. So for me, it's like I'm going the right way. They're going the wrong way. Even though I would rationalize like that, like, mm. but that was completely apart from what the Bible teaches like apart from Christ himself. And so just going down the spiral circle and, and yeah, things just got crazy. And I guess we can fast forward to testimony. I think my brother passed away on a Friday night and I remember I was at my house and I called my mom and I was trying to get a hold of him. And I was like, mom, um, Tell Daniel to call me. Like, I want to pick him up. I want to hang out with me. Like, I'm home alone. Like, I want him to come just, you know, spend time with me. 
Why? And like what triggered that? I have no idea, to be honest with you. I have no, to this day, I can't tell you why I wanted it. Maybe I was going, because I wasn't a Christian at that moment either. So I think maybe I was going through some kind of like regret, like, oh, like maybe if I spend time with him, like it'll make things better. I don't know what it was. Mm. Um, even then, that last year or so, like I would spend time with him. Like he would be around, like, but it wasn't like a love thing. It was like, I kind of had to be around family. So let's like get around family and, and kind of affiliate, even though like, it, there just wasn't like a genuine love connection. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was like that brother thing, but not a brother thing. Anyways, um, I remember reaching out and my mom um, said, yeah, I'll have him call you. And so I literally was sitting on my couch that entire watching. I actually haven't watched a movie since um, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. I was watching <laughs> it by myself and just waiting on the phone call. And I get the phone call. It's 11 o'clock at night. I was like, oh, heck yeah. Get it. My mom is screaming. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Worst news in the world. Um, broke immediately. Uh, kind of to encompass just those next few days were the darkest moments of my life. Like, exactly what Aaron's saying. Like, you don't wish that upon anyone. You don't wish that that feeling, that that torture, you don't wish that upon anyone, even your worst enemy. Honestly, like, if we go back to that moment, it was darkness, absolute darkness. Like, it, it scares me to even think about it. Like, that's not something, the worst criminal in the world you'd want that for, so to speak. I'm sure in moments we would think otherwise. But, like, it's, it's just not cool. It was dark. It was evil. It was wicked. And I remember, um, again, just two nights. And then I remember going to church that Sunday. Um, that's when I gave my life to the Lord. And that was cool because there was a peace that came into my life. It didn't change the circumstance. It didn't change anything that was going on. But there was a moment when I knew that the only answer to everything that was going on was Christ himself. When I gave my life to him, things changed. Again, it didn't change the circumstance. It didn't even change my feelings. I could honestly say that it wasn't like the feelings changed, but there was this new thing inside of me, and it, it was a peace. It was a peace that um, I try to share with the young guys. I try to share with everyone. Like that's something that you don't want to trade for anything in the world. The peace that the Lord gives you will get you through anything and everything. And I can say that from experience. That's it. You know what I mean? You can try drugs. You can try all the the stupid and crazy thing the world has to offer. It will not give you that peace that the Lord will give you. Um, when just curious, when you went to church and you gave your life to the Lord. Was that like, Lord, I realize like I need you. Or was that like, did you go and hear something that you knew like was true? Was it truth that penetrated? Was it? And I'm always curious because there's different things that draw people to God, right? Mm -hmm. There's the unveiling that is like you realizing truth. Yeah. Then there also is like, if you're up there, I need you and him responding. Is that like, can you recall yeah, so interesting, because all the moments that I was playing church when I was doing the Bible thing, like, I read about this guy, Jesus. You read about this person of Jesus Christ. The and cultural attachment. Yeah, this guy, like, he, he saved the world, you know, he's a sinner, or he, he, he died for all sinners, you know, he, he raised, you know, after three days. You get these stories, and you're familiar with all of them, you can recite them. So you know about this person, Jesus, you know what he came to do. You know he was the savior of the world, but you didn't, like, believe it. Like, you knew you didn't believe it, and yeah. so that was my life, and I remember... Um, when we were younger as well, uh, this is kind of, I think it's awesome. Um, so there was a, one of our neighbors, um, they were playing the song, Awesome God by Michael W. Smith. And, um, they were dancing to it. It was the weirdest thing. I remember we were a bunch of kids, we were running around and all of a sudden I hear like this music playing in the background and I see like these two people dancing and I stopped dead in my tracks and I'm watching these people and I'm like, what is happening? But it was like, a crazy kind of piece, probably the same piece you're talking about. It was just this weird piece in my heart, just hearing about this awesome God. And it was a beautiful song. Since then, it was my favorite song. Um, so when I was going through this dark season in my life, 
um, when I went to church that Sunday, they were playing it on the radio, which is crazy because I've never heard it since. I don't know why. I mean, obviously, like, I believe the Lord is just trying to pull me in hard when I finally was hearing his voice. Yeah. Um, it's God's, like, orchestrating hand for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was for me. It wasn't for anyone else. No one else got what I got that day. Yeah. No one else yeah. got what I got years prior to that. And that's why, for me, it's so personal and so intimate because yeah. the living I share it and you guys are like, oh, that's a cool story. But for me, it's not a cool story. Like, that was life. Like, that's <laughs> what happened to me. Like, yeah. you can't take that from me. You can tell me God does not exist. Also, you're a liar because I experienced something that you can't take from me. You know, yeah. that's my testimony. And so when that song played again, yeah. I remember like walking into the church already knowing before even Rawls spoke, before he even said a word, already knowing that something was going to take place because God Dang. was there. I knew he was there to meet me. And so um, fast forward when I finally was like, all right, Lord, you're, I, you're like, you're mine. I'm yours. Like it was that moment. And so mm. that's what I'm talking about. So as far as the need, absolutely it was a need and it was a desperation need. It was something that I knew I couldn't find anywhere but in him. But I knew the stories of it. Like I knew about it. I just never had it until that night or at, morning. At what point did you guys start going to Golden Springs? That Sunday. Really? For me, yeah. They were they were going before that. Okay. How did and you find out about that church? Alicia. Okay, uh, so oh, <laughs> this is a this is a cool yeah, one. This is a cool story. Okay, so I remember my dad having a yellow Walkman with those weird headphones, and you would have this guy that would talk like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about the Bible and Jesus. Yeah. He had raw tapes, okay. cassette tapes. I remember hearing his voice on my dad's Walkman when I was a kid. Mm. My sister... Um, Real was, quick, before you say that, I had the same familiarity. No, so real, <laughs> yeah. I had the same familiarity when I used to stay at my aunt's house in San Clemente on Sunday nights, on the weekends, and she would drive me home early Sunday or early Monday morning so I can go to school on time. And she would always be playing either Raw Reese or Chuck Smith. So mm. again, the familiarity. <laughs> wow. Same here, Weird. by yeah. the way. <laughs> like a crazy familiarity. Yeah. You can't voice. forget those voices. No. Yeah, yeah, both dude. of them. Yeah. So... Um, I remember hearing those those tapes, right? And so, like my, I say that because I'm sure my sister had a, some type of uh, similar situation, because um, she was at some point in time driving and had one of the stations on, and heard an invitation to go to a W Live event on the radio, and so her and my dad, she dragged my dad to go uh, to one of the events, and I think that's. I'm not sure if she gave her life to the Lord before that or after, sometime in 2011, 2010. Um, and she was like the beginning. She was the forerunner, so to speak, for she the rest op- of us. She opened that door. Totally. Mm. Totally. Um, mm. She comes to the Lord. She starts doing her thing. She starts sending me stuff. Of course, like mm. she's like figuring her whole walk out. Still is, of course, but like she's doing her thing. And so um, she ended up giving her life to the Lord. Fast forward, my dad starts walking with the Lord. Fast forward, I come to the Lord. My brother Daniel comes to the Lord. Um, my mom, somewhere inside of there, decides to start following the Lord. My brother Ryan and his wife uh, kind of begin their walk too. And then, of course, when my brother passed away is when he came in. So it was like mm-hmm. this, this stumbling effect all within a couple years. Um, where we all ended up going, and it was all a hub. It was mm. was raw. That's why we drive thirty five to forty five minutes every single week, two times a week to go there. Hmm. Literally, it's like it's home. Yeah. Until God calls us out, like that's where we'll be. If I have to drive two hours, it is what it is. Mm. And that's where God's called us and where He has us. And and 
right now, at least, <laughs> thankfully, it's not like this sense of loyalty. Because um, I think I know that when it's time to go, it's time to go. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's like that. It, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And if, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. Like, even if a person's not fully sure, like, where they should be, dude, Golden Springs is a good place to be. <laughs> there's a lot of not just the people that are teaching me on the pulpit, but there's people there, dude, I can mm-hmm. think of that have like poured into me. And that's where I learned to discern God's voice in my own personal life. Mm-hmm. And, was trained and really poured into and prepared for some of the things that God would call me to do later. But, but, um, I I have a question I want to ask you guys. Um, what, what would you share to people right now who are struggling with either themselves or let's say a a close family member who are struggling with drugs right now? Like what kind of encouragement wisdom might you be able to share with those people? It's a tough question, huh? It is because I'm literally going through that right now with my sister-in-law. Uh, she she's going through a really tough time uh, with drugs. She she's in a place of of using um, some heavy stuff now too, and it wasn't really a realization until a couple of days ago that I realized like like she, she's where I was. She where my brother Daniel was, and so that that question I asked myself. You know, I'm like, Lord, what do I do? Because you want to say, okay, these are the five things that you need to do to Mm -hmm. help that person, to help yourself in the situation. You want to do that. Like, I want to give you the answer to say, this is what you need to do in these situations when all hell breaks loose. Mm -hmm. It's going to sound cliche, but the simple answer is literally to fall on your knees. Mm -hmm. Because every circumstance and every situation that we all go through is going to be different. Yeah. Drawing near to God is always the same mm-hmm. in, in theory, but it'll be different for every single person, right? Because like we said before, God is an awesome living God. He doesn't just play a part and fulfill that part in every single person's life. No, He is everything. He encompasses mm-hmm. it all. Yeah. And so as you begin to seek God, the encouragement that I can give is, is literally, okay, be on your knees Seek the Lord with a genuine heart. Allow Him to speak. And when He speaks, listen. Mm-hmm. Because these trying times that me and my wife are having to go through again, um, the, the trying time that I went through before, I didn't, I didn't have any resource of the world to be able to help me through it. It was literally God's Word. Yep. When the Bible says that it is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, it's not something that is, is just said just to be said. When the Bible says anything, it's not just to be said. It's a truth that will, that will and has echo in all the ages. Yeah. And so the encouraging word is literally just that. Fall on your knees, seek Him, and when He speaks, listen and do. Because the one thing that will never fail you is trusting and obeying God. Mm. It'll never fail you. Even if he asks you to do one of the most wildest, most hardest things in the world, as we see in the Bible, some of the kookiest stories in the world. Um, when you're obedient to that, he doesn't fail. Now go outside of it. We both can sit here with transparency. You will live with regret for the rest of your life. Mm. You will wrestle with regret for the rest of your life. Mm. You don't want to live with that. I shared with my wife, and I'm getting real transparent, so sorry, babe. I shared with my wife um, 
when I found out uh, it came to a certain point, I shared with her that in this time, she needs to do just that. To be on her knees and to wait and to trust God. Because you're not going to have the answer. You're not going to have, other than, uh, other than the obvious, like Christ is the answer. But people aren't always like wanting just that, obviously. And it's not like you're going to give them some type yeah. of substitute because there is no substitute. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to pray and wait. And I said, babe, it's going to be one of the hardest things that you're going to have to go through because I've been there. I've seen it. And I don't have the answer to you. I'm sorry. Going back to what you were talking about earlier, like mm. at this point I can say, I don't know. But I know that God is faithful to walk through it with you. Yep. You know, that there's something that comes to mind. I remember the first time I, I got a chance to do a hospital visit um, for uh, like a mother that was uh, dying cancer. And I went in and prayed with the family and prayed with the mom and then got like a super dope call like um two months later that like miraculously the mom was healed from (laughs) cancer and the family was all rejoicing and like reminiscing on the hospital visit and the conversations that took place because i stayed there for a long time with um her kids like hanging out at the hospital and talking and I remember the, like, one of the selfish thoughts that went through my head was, like, I wish somebody could have showed up and done that for my mom, you know? Like, but then all of a sudden I realized that it's our it's our personal, it's the fact that we are connected to the reality of how hard it is when you lose somebody you love or when something tragic happens or that all of a sudden we realize how huge and difficult that is. And so the reason why it's so difficult is because of the magnitude of love we have for those people or that person that makes the destruction of their life so hurtful. And so that thought automatically makes us realize that anybody who loves deeper experiences the destruction or the pain of a person's life in a deeper way, Mm. which means that Christ bears the, the hurtfulness of what people go through with addiction and with all that stuff more, more than we do. Wow. Even for our loved ones. Right. And so what, what comes to mind and what, what like blows my mind is, my mom was more important to me than that those people's moms were to me. But she wasn't more important to me than their mom was to them. Mm. And when I, I wish that I had a bigger voice in my family's ear. But I'll tell you what, dude. When God gives you the opportunity to be a big voice in someone else's ear, that means a whole lot to their family, even if their family doesn't realize that you just interceded into their life. Yeah. And so I think the focus for people that have someone in their life that's struggling that they can't fix is to just, like you said, and like you said earlier, to be in tune with the Lord to such a degree that God can use their life in someone's life. Mm. Because they can be an impact to someone's son, to someone's brother, to someone's wife, to someone's sister-in-law. And I, I, if we're every once in a while, we're blessed to see that it's someone right next to us. 
But remember that to God, everybody's so important. Mm. And it changes the way you see ministry that you do. It changes the way it changes the willingness you have to even jump through whatever hurdles you got to jump through in life to really be in the hand of God, to be effective to our lost, dying humanity. That doesn't matter if you've been awarded the recognition by a pastor or a church or people are giving you the opportunity. You are a Christian in the hand of God and he can use your life in someone's heart, in someone's life that is detrimental to that family to those people who love that person you know and of course you wish you could imagine somebody have coming with the words to to someone that you love or some like that feeling that i had you know Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day i i stop and i tell the lord like you know what send me to that brother Mm -hmm. that's addicted like give me the words like anoint me in a bus ride like or whatever it is because we only feel the urgency when it's someone that we really love but god but christ died for all of them yeah you know and the greatest rejoicing thing like you you mentioned earlier and, and i feel uh, a conviction to kind of put something out there as you guys were sharing as you were sharing your story particularly you know you're witnessing you you mentioned that your brother's loss that that brought like fruit brought you to the lord you to the lord your family and all that right but understand that only christ can grow flowers out of that hell dude mm-hmm. like he can bear his love out of the most tragic dev- there's there's I just want to let you know cuz I'm a person observer I can sense the devastation of that moment I could sense it's more than just like oh tears or avoiding and not going too into deep it is like nobody will ever know what that sounded like bro that phone call nobody will ever know what that felt like it, you, they could you know movie scenario but when you're in it dude when things happen and you're just like that's the worst and only Jesus can grow flowers out of that, dude. It's more of a testimony, not just that a person made that, that through their, through their loss, good things happen, but that Christ can take the most destructive, destroying, because people do without Christ, those, those scenarios, that spirals people into the worst things. Mm. I've heard so many testimonies of, of, marriages and then the loss of a of a of a a baby or loss of pregnancy and all of a sudden it's torn apart it's not like the lord all of a sudden it's like things shatter when things go bad dude when people die it's like that's when other people just like fly off the handle they just go off you know and to think that the lord had like you said his faithfulness dude Mm -hmm. like he had his hand on you guys since you were young, whether people were doing a good job of representing Christ in the home or not, right. Jesus seeds were planted in you guys' heart. Yep. And that when when the Lord saw the most destructive moment in you guys' lives, he called out to you and he tugged on those he made those seeds that he had already planted in your hearts to grow and drew you to himself even mm-hmm. through trial and has turned you guys into men that you're further being turned into. You know, and the difference is what's so ex- exciting to me or, or 
are great to me is because of the difference I see. Like, I don't see, like, oh, two brothers. Like, I see diff- I see two completely <laughs> different people, bro. Like, I see it, like, in the way that you, the way that you guys are, you know. But I see the, the, the same thing in both of you in that Christ is working in your life. And that brings joy because I'm not trying to replicate who Christ is in me in other people. I'm trying to see who these people are in Christ, like what Christ in this person looks like and what Christ in this person looks like and what Christ in that person in him, you know, and, and it's beautiful how Christ bears himself in people's lives differently. And even in spite of devastating things like devastating things that you'd rather not even visit, which I want to thank you guys for sharing that story, Mm -hmm. dude. That means a lot you know, because um, it's one thing to tell a story for the sake of drama, like movies do, right? Like, oh, let's make this scenario super tragic, like yeah. the re- replaying in the mind of the little child, and they do everything they can with lighting and background music. But, but real life, bro, real life, revisiting like devastating thoughts, even like that's just the war. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, yeah. And so, but but I believe that there are people um, out there who are carrying stuff right yeah. and there's another thing too to contribute um concerning christ and that is christ doesn't help us to further sweep things under the rug he helps us to bring them to him mm. you know and um i know this psychologically from my own mind that in the in it was deep into my relationship with christ that I was thanking him for helping me further sweep things under the rug, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, thanks, Lord. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm now because of more worship and more, yeah. more, you know, like prayer and more, like I'm able to really like let that just say, like, oh, I don't even have to look at that again. <laughs> and like, dude, let me tell you, it was a, it was, it was a whole other moment with God to like, hey, pick the rug up, dude. <laughs> like, pick the rug, rug up because there's still some stuff like we need to deal with right here, you know, mm-hmm. and. Oh man, like you, but see all of that, bro. Like the man of God who has endured the, the trials of life is a man who God can use tremendously in people experiencing trials in life. Mm. And there is no limit to what the true and living God can do through your lives. And only in Christ do the worst and most tragic things turn into power. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know I want to let him share his encouraging word to it, but I feel like I have to share this this uh, this testimony, right? So I'll try to go through it as fast as possible uh, just so you can get a, a good understanding. We're talking about this. this uh, it sounds almost like theory. Now, we know every single one of us at the table, like, we know I like, know this is real. But as somebody that might be listening, it might be something of a measure of like theory. Like, yeah, you guys are talking about like God being able to work and his faithfulness and yes, tragedy, but like there's some type of like flower from the ashes. And it almost sounds like theory to somebody that, that hasn't experienced that, that hasn't lived in it. Um, so I feel like I need to share this testimony that took place uh, within this situation. Um, just so somebody can understand, like this isn't like some fairy tale thing. This isn't some like 
oh, like, God just came through. Like, okay, he was you know, brought us to the Lord. Like, a bad thing happened. Here, here so go those Christians, like, finding some sort of happy <laughs> yeah, right, thing. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> Here's your happy thought. Like, yeah. no, like like you said, it's life. Yeah. It's legit. So, um, timeline-wise, I'm going to be a little bit off, so I'm not even going to try. But uh, there came a point in time. There came a point in time where I was... Um, Oh, you're no good. Worries. Keep no going. Worries. Yeah, you're good. No. no, it's all falling apart. No, no. no <laughs> uh, so there came a point in time um, where I was asked to go to U-Turn for Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Cameron hit me up. He approached me um, to do worship for him. And U-Turn for Christ for our family is something that is... So U-Turn for Christ is a, is a rehab facility um, for people that struggle with addiction. Yeah, I taught there for four years. Oh, man. It, it is my favorite ministry. Yeah, I actually I left that out of the whole ministry thing, unfortunately. Um yeah, I love that. But place. that is literally every month. That is my favorite thing to go to. When I miss it, it's like literally, like missing your favorite person's wedding. Like no, like you don't miss it. Um, and so, the opportunity arose. Oh, so the reason why it's such a close place to us. Um, um, that year of my, my brother's last uh, portion of his life, um, he had an opportunity to sit down with with Sean and uh, Sean McKeon and uh, Sean gave some awesome words to him and basically was like giving him the opportunity to go to U-Turn. Um, the warrant thing happened. He was getting ready to go to, uh, to, to jail again. And um, in the midst of that, um, we had gotten like a full ride for as long as my brother wanted to be there to go to U-Turn for Christ. Hmm. He was stoked, like super ecstatic. This was nearing towards the end, unfortunately. Um, and so we took it to the court, our whole family sitting there. Um, I think I was not there. Um, most of us are there. And as we're sitting there, um, the person gives it to the judge. The judge opens the pamphlet up and closes it very quickly and says, I don't believe in faith-based rehab, rehab programs. Your uh, options are Acton, which if you know anything about Acton, it's a state run facility. It's basically just like a place to go instead of going to jail. Mm-hmm. It's jail without jail. Um, or go to jail. One of the two. It's, it's, that's your, that's your options. And um, the the joy that was on my brother's face of being able to go to U-turn, turned very quickly. And that was like the turn. That was like. There's no hope for him, right? Ends up passing away. Fast forward, I end up being able to go to U-turn. So I'm on my way out there, and this is during the time when um, Steve West was he unfortunately lost his son, his his baby boy. Aiden um, and that night it was something had taken place where he had to go to the hospital so he wasn't able to do his Bible college uh, class so Stephen Cameron was asked to go to do his Bible college class so Stephen Cameron calls me and he's like hey can you teach now I'm in my station wagon that like barely runs like I pray every single time I go to work so I'm like Lord I got like 45 miles to get to work so like just get me there please you know so it, it was one of those situations and like you want me to go to paris in this thing to teach a bible study which i don't do yet i had not really like i barely started getting into ministry but like just doing worship for bible college all i did like literally <laughs> like chapel that's Way all to i did go see cameron just yeah dude it, it's a golden springs thing man yeah. like you know but it was it was totally divine so I hang up and I'm like, I don't know, dude, let me call you back, you know? So I'm like driving and driving, like, oh, God, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, this is wild. My thought in my mind was like, okay, the first time I wanted to ever go to U-Turn was to go see my brother, not to go do worship, not to go teach. And so um, I call him back and I'm like, you know what, dude? 
okay, I'll do it. Like, I'm down. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'll go. One of those things are like, the Lord was like, this is your, this is your time. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I prepared you for this. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm not prepared, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I was super struggling on my walk. I was, Stephen Cameron could tell you, man, I was like up and down. And like, one Sunday, I was like, woo. The next Sunday, I was like, uh, you know, not showing up because whatever issues that were going on and stuff. And so um, I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to step in the door. So I go. And I share out of Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. And um, as I'm sharing of the idea of, of not looking backwards, but pushing forward to the upward call of Christ Jesus, um, that whole concept, I'm sharing this with, with, within my testimony of my brother Daniel, because this is now past that, obviously. Um, I share this whole, this whole thing. Um, the Lord does a huge, crazy work. It was that moment that I decided, like, I don't want to really ever not stop going here. Like, I love this place. This is like an amazing mm-hmm. place. Um, seasons go by, years go by. <laughs> so as I was going after that, so I'm actually backtracking again. As I was going uh, to there and started going regularly, that's when I had my goggles. Um, they actually <laughs> called me goggles there because I had <laughs> these safety glasses that I would wear. Um, I remember this. Because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> then he called Last me goggles. Calling him goggles. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this thing like that. I just got called goggles, right? So um, fast forward years later, I uh, I go again, um, and I hadn't gone for a while. Actually, the last time that I actually started returning, I think about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, and I show up and um, I have like normal glasses, right? Like this. Oh normal glasses now no more goggles so there's no way someone's gonna be able to recognize me and so i cruise in there and um i start playing i i, I do worship services pass and then um a young man uh, spencer herb approaches me and he begins to share his story so the last time that i was the first time excuse me that i was actually at u-turn for christ um, and i shared the whole story he was in there and within the program um his brother ended up passing away inside of his uh, bathroom, heroin overdose. And when that moment happened with him, um, the story of my brother and all that stuff um, began to come up in his heart and his life. Uh, He backslid for a little bit and come back to the Lord. And now he's in the program again, four months into the program. And he said every single time that Golden Springs would come, he was looking for the guy in the goggles. Hmm. And he said, as soon as I started playing, he recognized that's him. Me and Spencer are, are good friends now uh, to this day. But when God says that he has a plan for our life and that he knew us since the foundations of the world and that he knows the hairs upon our head, once again, that's not folklore. That's not crazy, you know, fairy tale stuff. All that took place in my life before Christ even during Christ, losing my brother, all these things led up to a point to where a young man was going to hear the testimony of my brother's passing and something that was ashes um, was able to be used for his glory. It turned into a flower, in Mm. your words. And that's one testimony of many that God has been able to use something so dark. Not that God was like, okay, I'm going to Take out your brother so that we can do this. God's not cynical like that. But rather he used such a dark, ugly situation 
and he was able to orchestrate it in such a way inside of my life and at a certain point in time to be able to bring glory and honor to his name to draw one of his other children that he loves so dearly as you were talking about a second ago and bring them back into the kingdom and he's been serving the lord ever since that situation that's that's super Mm. cool it's mind-blowing to me and so bringing it back like that is the practical thing of like god is working constantly constantly doing this is not just talk this is not just fictional it's not fictional it's it's legit god is always is always there to faithfully do what um he plans Mm. simple as that Mm. simple as that so now, for you, Alex, when you became a Christian, was it a, a very, like, just full-blown, like, okay, that's it, you're done now with the world? Or was there, was there like, a struggle in, during your early years as a Christian, or was it just like, okay, like, like for me personally, it was just like, I'm done, and then, you know, type of moment. But what was that like for you? Mm, it was a struggle, and I think it was a struggle more so because when I went to church, when I started going from then on out, I felt like I had to be a certain type of person. And so for me, I was always wrestling with how to operate in the church building. I didn't mm. know the lingo. I didn't know the, the, the isms of, of how to be a Christian at Golden Springs. And so, um, I believed it all to be rather genuine, but for me it was hard because I wrestled within myself. Like I'm not holy enough. Like I'm not spiritual enough. Like maybe I just don't read the Bible as much as everyone else because everyone else always had like like a particular like words they would always use. And I, I didn't have, I didn't know that. And so I remember going to church for a while. For me, it was a huge struggle. I wasn't sure what it was necessarily. And so for me, it was definitely like a pruning process. Like it wasn't like immediately everything was gone. Um, the Lord did a work gradually in me, but I know my biggest struggle was how to be a Christian. I don't mm. know how to like, like how we talked about how to, how, how to have the right conduct. I don't know what that looked like. Um, I just knew what the people that went to church did. These new, ch- this new church, because my old church, they did whatever they wanted. But this is a new church where people are actually like, they actually believe in this person, Jesus. And so mm-hmm. they did certain things. And again, I didn't know how to be like that. And so for me, um, for sure, many sins were dealt with immediately. Praise God for that. Um, but there was other things that were more of a, a pruning process. And um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess to answer your question mm-hmm. is more of a pruning process for the most part. Okay. No, cool. That's that. That's that does answer my question. I did want to add something that we were talking about earlier when Aaron was talking. Yeah. No, please. Um, and what Mikey was talking about. We were we operate in, in circles of influences, so to speak. So we're one person, each and every one of us, and we have these people that the Lord has put into our lives. Um, a lot of times we think that our mission is to save the world, so to speak. Like my job is to get all these people. It's like you're a Christian, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, and we have these group of people that the Lord has placed in our life, and I believe the Lord has called us to that and to operate within that. And as we're faithful to those things, He'll broaden the circle, so to speak. Um, and I say that because, A, to talk about what we talk about, stretching ourselves thin, trying to do a million things at once. Like, we're, we're, we're cutting ourselves short because God has a very specific influence. And when I talk about loving family, like, that's the same thing, like, forsaking what the Lord had for me in this circle because I had a million other things to do. Now, on that same, in, in that same aspect, suffering's necessary. And I hate saying that. I don't, don't want to say that cynically. But suffering is necessary because it does something. There's a particular brokenness that takes place that influences people that the Lord has brought into our circle. And so I think about, like, what we've been through. Like, it I'm usually pretty hesitant to share my story, like my my testimony, because I just don't like saying like this is my story, like come to Jesus and out. Like that's not 
how I've ever felt testimony to be. Testimony for me is like when the Lord brings someone and he presses them hard to share something because he knows that he's going to speak through it. That means more to me than ever, than, than anything. That one-on-one, like, hey, like, if my story, if my life can touch your life because of what God did, I'd rather share it with you one-on-one. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anything other than that. That's beautiful. Like, the Lord yeah, calls people spe- to do different things. That's speaking specifically to your calling the way God works exactly. through Exactly. Yeah. And so when we have these circles and we're, we're faithful to operate in them, like, the suffering that we feel, like, it's, 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 like, it's not awesome. But we know that God's going to use it for His glory. So what happens is things like the testimony of Spencer and, and, and things like that. There's, there's a way that God will use the things we've been through, the suffering we've been through to, to make beauty from ashes, so to speak, because he's faithful to himself, he's faithful to his word, and he wants to save the Lord, and he wants to use our life in the things we did. Like all that the terrible nonsense in our life, he's going to use it for his glory somehow or another. Mm. How? Yeah. By influencing others. How? Mm. Because when we realize that what we went through, it causes us to love, like you were saying, deeper. Like, it's no longer like, I love you, Sal. It's like, no, like, I love you because I, I, I feel you. That sounds really, like, cheesy, no, kind of cliche, but, yeah, yeah. but that's how it is. Like, no, no, I feel you. And so I'm not saying your prayers are more effective, but they kind of are more effective because when I'm praying for you now, it's deeper. It's like, no, no, Lord, like, like know my heart. Like, I know what he's going through, and I don't like it. Like, I, Lord, like, do something. You know what I mean? As opposed to, like, Lord, just do this. You know what I mean? I'm not trying mm-hmm. to, like, undermine prayer or anything like that, but there's, there's a certain love that takes place that I know that God desires for each and every one of us to have. And if it mm. takes brokenness for it to happen, he's going to do it yeah. because it's for his glory. It's not for our sake. And what comes from it is us becoming more like him, mm. which, I mean, is our goal, so to speak. And it teaches us how to die to self. And so when we realize like how much, like, I mean, goodness, like just all we go, all that we go through, all the pain, all the suffering, when we realize that it's for his glory, it teaches us, it, it, it removes fright pride from the from the whole scenario like there's no longer pride in you because you know like you're just a terrible person that god decided to to love and bring to himself and he wants to use you it's a beautiful thing but there's something again there's just something useful to that and it's for god's glory Mm -hmm. so again it teaches us how to die to self um and it teaches us how, how to love and if i could press any encouragement any word to anyone it's it's god desires us to love more god desires us to love deeper and it's not like this world like love everyone it's like those people in your life, those family, those friends that the Lord has has a, a divinely appointed in your life, like love them, love them with a fervent love, and and change lives with it. Yeah, you, you, you yeah, big time, dude. That was uh, very insightful. Um, to it, to testify of exactly what you're sharing, one of the reasons why I, I even asked you guys to come here was because our last. Well, two podcasts ago, guest um, Freddie Flores shared about you guys on the podcast because he had just come to the Lord and he saw you guys, your family, and heard that you guys had just lost your brother. And he was like, Why do you guys come here? Like, you, I know what you guys are going through. Why do you guys come here? And you guys shared the love of Christ with him when he was a newborn. And that circle of influence that you have, the Lord used it. Yeah. The Lord used it in Freddie's life to draw him. Yeah, that's like part of his story, like super crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. I um, Freddie's been a brother to us for sure. Yeah, he he'll like show up randomly. He'll come bring my wife food because he's his driving routes right there, you know. Like he'll come drop by. He's, and, he's something and else. Love on, love on my mom. He for has a, a while. very unique <laughs> ministry that I. <laughs> 
I like he's amazing. Yeah, he yeah, some, yeah, yeah sure. you know, you, you you touched on something uh, a little while ago that I think is super important. Um, and you talked about the people that God's put in front of you, right? And then you were hesitant to make a uh, testimony like for a bunch of people, like you were hesitant to make that sound like a negative. You're like, no, like, I don't mean like that there's anything wrong with that, you know? And, and that triggered something that I think is important for people to know. Right. And that is that one of the most dangerous things that can happen to us when we begin to watch somebody do ministry is we, we look at the platform that God's put them on mm-hmm. and how God has molded them for that platform and then we say to ourselves, we like take note of how they're doing it and try to apply that in our mm-hmm. lives, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And what, what we miss then is that we are then becoming Christian-like rather than Christ-like, mm-hmm. right? So where this gets dangerous now is God, just Christ in your life and all the things that he offers, which includes the word of God, fellowship, church, and all that other stuff, but with Christ being at the center of the influence in your life, you get to be prepared for the platform that he's putting you on, right? Mm. And and that platform, like you mentioned earlier, I think it's important to define exactly how you were talking about, like it's a group of people maybe around you and then through faithfulness that group grows, but it's not necessarily growing in numbers because of faithfulness, it's, it's growing in effectiveness because of your closeness to christ like yes. some people's ministries will be like five people around them their whole life absolutely yeah. but but to the degree that they are impactful is measured and it's contingent upon their closeness with christ and understanding what he's doing in their life molding them so i want to encourage christians that when you sense that god has intended for your life to do a big thing to not then look with your eyes at who you can perceive as doing a big thing and try to mimic from them. It's just to put your eyes on Christ Mm -hmm. because those people didn't get that way because they were looking at somebody. They put, they, they arrived to where they are because of what Christ has done in their life. And so Christians need to be less focused on being Christian like, and more focused on being Christ like, because one of the big difficulties that sounds like you were going through, which I personally, and I speak as a man now, um, don't think you should have gone through, is feeling like you're not really quite yet ready to fit in. And I'm not blaming anybody that was around you, but the truth is that should have never been a hurdle that 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 you would one day maybe learn how to be like these people. Instead, that when a person is born again, all things pass away. All things are made new. They're a new creation in Christ. And so now their growth and the and people pouring into them is not so that they can better fit in. It's so that they can be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And what the interpretation of that looks like depends on what Christ intended for them to be since they were born, since they were knitted in their mother's womb, mixed with him. Mm-hmm. When you take who you are, who God made you, and you remove all the things that Satan has been impacting into your life through repentance, and then you insert a relationship with Christ, then you get to see who you are. And then you get to be most effective as you possibly can. 
And that is every single human being that comes to Christ. And so I never want, I, I use your story as an example to push a point that is very important. I never want for Christians to feel like maybe they can graduate to being a Christian. Mm. I want for all Christians to put their eyes on Jesus and know that the combination of who God made them to be and the brushing away of the sin that was turning them into something God didn't want them to be and then adding Christ into their life will equal the most impactful life that they could ever live. And I just see it like, dude, I mean, I'm not trying to just blow smoke, dude. I don't do that on this podcast, but like I see your guys' life, dude. And it's super cool, man. Like I like I said, I don't get to we don't we don't this is what's so dope about a podcast, bro. Like <laughs> I tell him this all the time. It, mm-hmm. it happens all the time. Dude, if this recording burns and like we can't get it for some reason, <laughs> it does it I didn't yeah. miss what what no, I came here for. Right, what I came here right. for is to have this conversation. Yeah. Like that's super important. For and sure. we always want people to be able to feel that your your conversation at this table matters. Yeah. It's this is honestly like how we grow the bible says i iron sharpens iron mm. and like you perceive things in people and yourself and you realize and you're like dude like and and it affects you and it reminds you and you see it in other people and stuff so mm. super yeah, dope and i want to with go ahead no no i just wanted to add to that um that's cool that's exactly yeah for sure <laughs> um it definitely was a wrestle between my own heart and i recognize now that it wasn't the people, it was myself. Okay. It was me wrestling with the enemy, allowing the enemy to fill my mind, the mind that goes 100 miles per hour, fill it with any kind of divisive thought. Um, so if that's any encouragement to anyone, like the enemy is going to try to pull you away from any fellowship. Yeah. He's going to try to pull you away from anything that has to do with God, period. That's his, his, his move, is to just get you away from Christ. It's not to make you sin. It's not to make you stumble necessarily. It's literally to take your eyes off Christ because he hates Christ a lot more than he hates you. Mm. And so for me, like I... That's an encouragement, guys. So if any point you don't feel holy enough, like that, that's not the case. Like the church loves, and that's what um, they're designed to be, just a place where all sinners come and just love one another and, and, and grow together because we're all running the race together, all going to the same prize, which is Christ. Um, so yeah, just keep continually pressing in mm. and know that God has a purpose. Well, that, that brings me to my next question is like, you guys have been serving in ministry now for, how many years did we say already? <laughs> what, eight, close serving? to eight years? Well, serving? Serving? Uh, I'd say probably, really probably like five and a half, six years or so. I started serving like in my first year, but like little glimpses of serving and like mm-hmm. getting involved prematurely in certain ministries. <laughs> Definitely. You can go that route if you want to, but I'd rather not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, about yeah, five and a half, six years or so. Because yeah. with with this, I, w- I kind of want to segue into like, what are these lessons that God uh, has like placed in your life over the last like <laughs> eight, for that eight years? Because <laughs> you guys have experience now in ministry, yeah. and there's some people who are maybe thinking about getting into ministry, yeah. or they're like barely starting, or people just want to hear like your your you know the lessons yeah. you've learned. What are those things? For, first of all, let me just say this about Alex real quick, because a lot of people oh, don't no. know this. Uh, when I <laughs> left uh, Golden Springs to start a church, a ministry, Alex was like the dude for me, dude. Like he was right there when we were in my backyard. And just then he a- just left me, dude. <laughs> 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 he was kicked out, actually. <laughs> it was literally as soon as I got the job at Sunrun, I was working late Fridays. And I yeah. told him, like, I, I just can't make yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Door closed. So it was a, yeah. a really cool season. So I 
But go ahead. Yeah. Tell me those lessons that you guys have learned. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna, well, I'm going to start cliche, <laughs> but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Growing in Christ. Mm. Like, it should be exciting. And if it's not, check your heart. Like, mm. the Lord always wants to do a work in your heart. He always wants you to draw closer to him. He doesn't move. We're the ones that move. So if for some reason you feel like God's distant or, or whatnot, know that it's probably you the one walking away from him. It's not him walking away from you. Um, that's probably the most beautiful thing in ministry. I'll just say ministry is just having that beautiful fellowship relationship with Jesus first. That's what makes it all worthwhile. Like everything else is a byproduct. Your friends you make, like your your your, your little whatever groups, whoever you serve of whatever, like that. that's a byproduct of just God loving you first. And so first and foremost, I know it sounds cliche, you're called to him first. He yeah. calls you to himself first. So it's any encouragement, seek him, love him first, everything else will come afterwards. Mm. I think we could probably go back and forth for a little while here on this. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. <laughs> um, I think kind of what we were just talking about a minute ago, uh, just the idea of choosing to be either a Christian-like or a Christ-like. Mm. I think it's healthy to constantly bring yourself back to the reason why you first started ministry, right? Because when you begin to have your eyes on man and mm. think that man is your influence and man is the reason why you do, you do ministry and man is who you're trying to please, you begin to falter and fade away. Uh, we recently had a, a young girl um, leave the ministry. She was involved for quite some time. And the reasoning was that she didn't feel... Um, she didn't feel that like she was loved enough. That she was kind of like the outside of the outcast. Now, my experience with that was like, no, I, I don't, I don't remember that. That's for sure. Like, she was actually pretty close to my my wife, and um, we loved her dearly. You know, and so you see that, and you're like, man, there's like this sense of loneliness that comes, and I think it's because we have a perception that we're trying to please man. We're trying to have a social interaction with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because I find that in my heart at times, I find it in my heart, exactly what you're describing. I'm like listening to it. I'm like, man, like how many times have I checked my heart for that? Like, who am I trying to be like? Am I trying to be like Rawl? Am I trying to mimic Scott? Am I trying to, these people who I respect and love and will look to, (laughs) it's empty. (laughs) That was the saddest face I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) When the coffee is empty. I'm so sorry. Um, but who, who am I, who am I trying to do this whole thing for? Mm. You know? And, and I think in the worship ministry, I, I said it actually last night, like I'm like a broken record in talking about this. Um, but always check your heart and always check and see why you're doing what you're doing. Why do you come to church on a Sunday and on Wednesday on Sunday nights when you're supposed to, and all the other times that you come? why do you do it? Why do you come? And if it's not literally for the sake of Christ, period, because of who he is, then it's wrong. And there's something that needs to take place. Not somebody that's within ministry. Um, I think when we come to church because we're seeking and we're looking to, to just really grow, there's going to be different reasons why we show up. Um, and I think God will honor it and he'll do a work in it. He always does. But for the person that's like serving, and that's like, hey, I want to do this ministry thing, um, you start off sometimes in like weird places, but if your purpose of being there is not to bring glory and honor to God, it's off and you have to check yourself. Mm. 
And I say that not because I'm like trying to be Mr. Holy and I know why I come to church every Sunday mm-hmm. and I know what I'm doing in this ministry. And no, it's because I recognize that I falter in that often mm-hmm. and I have to like bring myself back, bring myself back over and over again. And to my shame, I, I fall into that place. But yet God is faithful to continue to move and go forward. And so mm-hmm. like with that aspect of constantly checking yourself and like, all right, like it's okay to be sometimes in a place like rock and hard place. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of confused. Like, I feel like I'm lost again. Come back, come back to him, come back to that simplicity of like, all right, I can do this, not because of me, but purely because of what Christ has done. And that's why I'm here to begin with is because I love him and he's done such a great and awesome work in my life. And so therefore, broken bread poured out wine, right? Mm. So I think another one is, uh, to anyone really, is to be reflective. Um, I always find that healthy in a Christian that by the end of the day or just however you can, um, reflect on yourself and where you're at and what God has done and what you've done. You know, it's it's easier. Uh, it's, weird, it's easier to repent of sin that you're aware of. So for me, it's it's like nightly, like when you're going to bed, like Lord, like how could I have better been like you today? You know what I mean? And just kind of um, just again reflect on on the day or or how you could have been more Christ-like, so to speak. Um, mm. But keep pressing forward. Don't like live in any kind of condemned or condemned state, but understand that like. Once I feel like we get comfortable with ourselves, the more we just tend to just think we're moving forward. When the Lord's like, "Well, wait a minute, like take a step back. Like there's something I want to deal with here." But you're like, "Well, I'm just gonna keep doing this as A, B, C, D, E, yeah. G." Mm-hmm. Without like the Lord's like, "Well, no, no, this thing here that you did, like, or you wrong or whatever it is, like, mm-hmm. got to deal with it." You know or I mean? something you're allowing to grow because you're so busy pruning over here yeah. or whatever. That's yeah. a super good point, bro. Yeah. Because you know perversion the word perversion is just a distortion right like we use that obviously towards mm. sexual application but that's not really it means to twist something and, and really perversion could be aptly applied to like bonsai trees how we mm. could like make them grow a certain way or whatever right so it's to twist something into a, a abnormal growth or abnormal and so really all perversion in the application of the sexual term is meaning that you've taken something god created and you're twisting it into something else like right that's deviation yeah right. right so it's interesting that you know like learning from people who prune trees or people who are you know i don't know what the word is but that's what they do but Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. <laughs> but like in, in the world, like with fruit trees or whatever, like people that know the, like how plants grow and stuff, they know that sometimes they have to cut a limb off because it's getting too heavy for mm-hmm. itself or that it they have to keep helping something you've seen before, like a, a, a stick propping up a tree that's leaning sideways, right? And I think that's what you're talking about. Super important in a Christian's life that they're aware of the distortion or the in the un- improportionate growth in their life. Well, somebody might be bragging, oh, dude, uh, leading people go out every single night, lead people to the Lord, and you see their Bible like halfway underneath their seat and it never moves, right? And mm-hmm. they always say the same thing to a new group of people to feel like it's something brand new, mm-hmm. right? And then it creeps in on them. Or, you know, worship's a, a great example that you got to be aware of. I, I did worship for years, and one of the ways that the enemy would creep in is because you you become what's the guy that leads the orchestra the conductor Conductor. you become a conductor Mm -hmm. of of people emotionally in a way Mm. and 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 it's a it's a sleight of hand of a substitute for christ right where every single week week after week you're you're conducting people and experiencing christ and they and they're like being moved and you're like wow and then they're praying for you after you're praying for them after Mm. and it can become a substitute of 
an encounter with Christ himself. Yeah. Church, yeah. you know, our, our talents, our skills are like just lack of inventory. Those things that we keep sweeping under the rug. I love, I love this when a Christian approaches me with something that they fought themselves to just talk about. Like, dude, I'm struggling with something. Like, I need to talk to you. Like, I'm struggling with mm-hmm. this. Like, like to never, to always protect that person in that moment because that's huge what they just did because mm-hmm. that's something that could have gone overlooked and they would have been like, hey, bro, it's awesome what God's doing, you know? And like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you, you don't, re- like drugs, bro, that's a, you know, it's something that's got them. Mm-hmm. And here they are fluffing over with a bunch of other stuff. So inventory, dude, super important for Mm -hmm. us. Always remember that we're not alone. Like you can talk to somebody in that anxious feeling like, hey, dude, I need to talk to you because I'm kind of dealing with this. And then you realize they're like, dude, I I fight with that too, bro. But like, here's here's what I do. Or here's what Mm -hmm. what God's showing me victory here. Like, man, all of a sudden you're not just a freak weirdo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So super important. Mm -hmm. I love that, dude. Inventory. Mm -hmm. Let's have another one because I have another question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. What's it called? Um, with youth, because you guys have been serving with youth ministry as long as you guys have been there. Mm-hmm. Like, like, what have you learned about reaching the youth right now? I think right now it's like such a vital time where I've got nieces and nephews that I'm praying for right now. And now they're reaching that age where it's like, okay, this could be a like, turning points, you know, in their life. Like how do you would like how you guys approach reaching them? I was asked that question six months ago, um, longer than that. Before this COVID thing, I was asked that question by somebody, and it hasn't really changed the answer. Long suffering, patience, love, and forgiveness. Hmm. It encompasses the whole thing. Um, it, I think us as uh, older men. We look back at our foolish young self. And Some we say, old guy just laughed right now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, younger. Yeah, 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 no, I got you. As grown men compared As, to children. Yeah, right, right, got right. You. Yeah, so, but <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> well, what am I? You're an older man. Well, what am I? We don't have any description for you. Any you're you're, you're mummified. <laughs> yeah, you're past the age. No. Uh, um, no. But the. We look back at our younger self and we think how foolish and ridiculous we were. And, and we think, man, like, you kids just need to get off of that and stop doing it. And when you say that, it almost sounds like, okay, that's kind of a Christian thing. Like, yeah, you kids need to stop. But then you almost start to sound like an, an old honor guy. Yeah. Because you just better on stop doing that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, no. I lately have been growing in, like a love in my heart for a certain young man in the ministry uh, or in the high school ministry that, that like, He's one of those like turds, man. Mm-hmm. Like he's for the years, he's just been one of the hardest kids to deal with. You try to talk to him, and he just gives you the coldest shoulder. And then you're just like, man, why can't we ever just reach this kid? Like, what is going on? You know, and and this generation is is so enveloped in themselves for one, uh, in social media for two, um, and just being busybodies, mm. but not doing anything at all. They're so busy in their mind, kind of like Alex was saying. They're so busy in their mind and so busy in, in their finger movements. Um, they don't really have time for anything or anybody else. But when you get that little bit of opportunity to begin to share with them, you see God begin to work. And you're mm-hmm. chipping at a huge glacier and trying to sculpt it into a little, small, beautiful piece of, of artwork. 
and and you're just sharing in the labor and in the work with God. And so, uh, with these young guys, man, it, it's 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 hard, it's frustrating, it's a laborsome, it's so much prayer is needed, and and the patience thing, the long suffering, it is absolutely necessary. The high school ministry is is, in my opinion, probably one of the hardest ministries to deal with, mm. because it's. it's yeah, we've been there. We were kids. Yeah, and they're just past the place of pretending, like yeah, junior high right. kids. I'm not saying anything like, "Oh, junior high kids, that's tough in its own life." Nah. But, but kids will still be pretending, like, "Oh." But high school is when they first start getting like, you know what I want to say? I hate this. Like, yeah. I hate being here. I don't mm, want to be here. My right. parents made me come here. And then you also get like some of them getting too cool, so they're just like not gonna laugh at the old <laughs> yeah. guys' jokes. They're not gonna put, yeah. put the earplugs in. Yeah, able to, uh, yeah dude. take it out. It is tough, dude. Someone yeah. told them they could have opinions. I don't know if that was all. Right, <laughs> bring them to me. I'll smack that opinion <laughs> out of their face, dude. Stop thinking now. I struggle Gosh. with kids, bro, because yeah. my dad was so strict, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I'm around kids, I'm just like. No respect. Yeah, no, it's no. not. It's just, <laughs> I just, yeah. I just like shocked at how like their parents raised them. Like I'm just like, what? Like, dude, my dad was. Anyways, that's a total other can of worms, bro. Like, I struggle. I've I've always struggled with like kids and stuff because yeah. you know. But um, God's teaching me a lot with that, mm-hmm. dude. And like also, my heart is like most of the people I think about often are like young people and I'm like praying for them all the time, you know? Yeah. So pretty it, crazy. it's a funny transition too between, and you know, this, the high school ministry. And then right after that, when they graduate into college and then you have the college and career ministry, because mm. college and the career ministry, you have like people going there. Like, they're just like, yeah, I'm in love with the Lord, whether their intention is to meet a girl or a guy or something, or who I'm, knows. I'm in love with this person. <laughs> in love with the Lord. But, but the, the, the hard spot with the high school ministry is that you have like, a portion of the kids who, who, like we mentioned, they're just forced to be there. Yeah. So they're just like, yeah. mm, I remember yeah. having to, there was this kid in the front row, and uh, Scott asked me to teach this one Sunday morning, and he's literally like Pastor, laying down. shout out to <laughs> Pastor Fassel, dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's stop. Let's so stop begin. with that. <laughs> oh, and, and he's laying out, like, sprawled, like, on the front row, like, in front of me, like, just laying there and uh, I was like right about to like get started and I see him and Scott like does this all the time where he just gets real with the kids and kind of very blunt. So like, you threw a water hey, bottle at his throat. <laughs> <Yeah, right? laughs> <laughs> Scott might do that. And so I was, I was just like, you good dude? And I was just like, hey man, like would you mind like sitting up actually during the service? Uh, and then he's like, I was like, I don't want you to fall asleep. And he's like, I won't fall asleep, dude. And then so I was like, is that a deal? And he was just like, yeah. And I was like, all right, if you could pay attention like that, like stay like that. I'm cool with that as long as you're paying attention. And he literally paid attention the whole time. <laughs> so high school as kids was, are funny, as dude. As he was in like like a Da Vinci lounge <laughs> stand. So high school kids can be a trip sometimes because yeah. then who knows? Like I was almost feeling like this kid is paying attention. Like God is still using this moment yeah. somehow. Now yeah. let's do this. All uh, you kids, everybody lay down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You that or just open your water bottle yeah. and just squirt it on yeah. them. That's my version of teaching yeah. obedience. Yeah, dude. Oh, that's freaking, uh, freaking kids, man. I think I'll, I'll add, I mean, I think you hit, you hit most of them, but I think being real Mm. is one thing kids have this discernment man like even if Mm. they're not even following christ they know when you're being fake they know when you're just playing a part or just doing ministry or just Mm. trying to be that they they know they see through it so um being real um being gracious and that stems from knowing what we've been there 
you know what I mean? That's not saying we're better than them at all, but it's one of those things like you're in that ministry because God's called you for a particular reason. Be gracious. You know what I mean? Like you were probably worse than them and mm-hmm. I was probably worse than them. So to think that like, I just all of a sudden I'm a Christian. I have these words that are just going to change life from one day to the next. Like you're wrong. Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. you're mistaken. That's not how it works. Um, I remember um, to this day, there's one particular high school leader that will never leave my heart. His name is Jonathan. He was amazing. Like when I was in high school doing the church thing, like he was always there just to love and be gracious. And I'm sure he was familiar with all the nonsense I was dealing with. Um, but his love and his care for me to this day, I'll never forget it. Yeah. Um, which is actually one of the reasons why I know the Lord called me to ministry. He just immediately reminded me of him. Mm. Super awesome. Anyways. Um, Do you so still yeah, know did, him, by the way, or not? You know, I need to reach out. I need to reach out. Um, Boom. John just did it right now. John, John Let me tell you this. If you don't reach out, it's sin, bro. Hey, John, the other... No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's actually a close family friend. I have the ways to contact him. I just haven't reached out. But mm. I will um, soon. Yeah, you and, will. <laughs> He's gonna call me next week. Hey, you all okay? Uh, I'm not. I don't, yeah. I don't know why. I'm just kidding. I will. Yeah. So being real, being being gracious, because we know what they're going through and what they've been through, and it is what it is. But do it all in love. And I keep pressing that because it's important. Like if you're not praying for these kids, if you're not genuinely having a heart for them, um, I, I would question the Lord having called you to that ministry. And that's not to convict or, or anything or, or to be like the Holy Spirit, but um, we got to love these kids. Like, they're going through things that, honestly, like I just said, we've been through what they've been through, but there, there's a whole nother level of it that we know nothing about. Like, this social media thing is destroying kids because not only do they have to be a particular image at school and at church, they have to maintain it online. And mm. it's like all the time they have to be a very specific someone so they create this image and they can never reach that image that person who they want to be and so it's complete depression and so we have kids who are just rampant depression kids just who want to be someone they can't be so they're doing every gimmick possible to try to be that person they can't we got to be gracious we got to love them for who they are Mm -hmm. um and just show them love of christ and so man in in that realness it's kind of like the i think the word that i i would put is is not to dump on real but like transparency Mm. you know like like and it's the same 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 deal but i I think for me like when kids don't talk right you have to like dig it out of them so a lot of times you're sitting there and you're like trying to talk to them and you're just not getting anything you're like okay on to the next one you know and it's like you're you're shopping in like a store but then i mean no no, i mean like in in that sense of like on to the next thing on to the next thing on the next door on the next door it's like you're in a mall or something it's like it's hard because you're you're waiting for that opportunity like lord i just want to i just want to pour out i just you filled me i want to pour that's all i want to do that's why i'm here i want to pour out and so like almost like in the flesh you're like looking for a way to pour out instead of just allowing lord to genuinely like make it happen and but when it does usually it's because like you've been exactly that real you've been transparent with them you've 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 been willing to expose the things of your heart that you deal with and they're like oh like i'm not alone I'm not, I'm not this weird, crazy person. Like you were saying a minute ago, like I'm not this weird, crazy person that struggles with this thing. Like it's, it's not just me, mm. you know, I'm not alone in this walk. And, um, mm. and, and I think kids resonate with that. I think they, mm. they, they recognize like, Oh man, like it's cool. Like, yeah. This guy, he's like walking in the Lord, I guess. Like he does this thing every week. He's here all the time and he struggles. He has his issues. He has his problems. Mm think kids get a, a big big hit off that so to speak and it's necessary because the world will throw anything at them over and over and over again 
as much as we put forth the effort inside the ministry, the enemy is doing it more so. Why? Because the enemy has more time with him. Mm. All week long. All week long. Yeah, dude. And like, I mean, you, you mentioned social media. One of the things I, I hear, I mean, it's a hot topic right now. Like you can go on Netflix and watch or something. One of those, watch like a documentary yeah. on like. Uh, a social dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really. I mean, I encourage people to check those things out. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of information out there about these subjects. But one of the things that's been standing out to me, because I sit there and pray and just like, what, like, why is this? Like, why is suicide rate amongst kids like skyrocketing? More kids have died from suicide than COVID-19 this year, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And um, but what I realize is that they are enslaved to a step below their avatar They're So like they create themselves on social media yeah. and they always look good and they're always yeah. stylish and they're always this, but the real version of them, like the picture their aunt took where they're standing in the corner where they look fat or they look whatever, like they, the reality lives a step behind this person they've created. That's yeah. so likable. Right. So in, ev- in essence, they just are proving to themselves that they are less in reality, mm. you know, that they are, that you, and that's one of the things that I pray about. I'm like, Lord, you know what? Like, that's really helped me in the areas of self-consciousness. Like, um, I was talking to him about this, like, you know, to, to take captive, like those feelings that we have, or we, we want to make sure that, you know, we're seen from our best side, that the camera's sitting up on what, and to take all those things captive and to cast them out. Because one of the most influential people in my life was Pastor Chuck Smith. And never once in my mind did I say, oh, that guy's a little overweight, or oh, that guy's bald, or oh, none of that stuff all i saw was the power dude mm. and the love like just beaming through him and, and it causes me to say you know what, lord like help me not to fall enslaved to mm. to worrying about these things that don't matter dude yeah. you know we become so obsessed dude and um and all we need to do is is just dump all that stuff off it means nothing and to just grab a hold of the lord and say lord i want to i want to reflect you you know i want to i want to pour into people show them who you are and hopefully with all four of us dude that the anointing will go far beyond that some kid thinks we're dressed cool or whatever you know and and uh and that god could just really anoint us and that's that's what i feel led to for like at the towards i don't want to cut it short but like at the end of this conversation i would love to pray because there's one thing there's a camaraderie at this table that isn't always here four guys we all work with our hands you know, I'm a construction worker. You guys are construction workers. He's. I work with my feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we 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 all <laughs> we're all in that, and and then we all 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 four of us have a calling to ministry. You know, so this is what we need, mm-hmm. dude. We need we need more of Christ shining through us. Uh, I've said this before. You guys probably I think you've heard me say this, but I'm more interested in trading in what I once wanted, which was to do big things for Christ and trading it in for surrender and just allowing Christ to do a big thing through me, mm-hmm. you know, cause my efforts dude, like so thirsty, bro, in the ministry for so many years, dude, like I'm going to, I'm like just imagining in the back of my mind, like just picturing like what God's going to do. I already, I'm just going to stay quiet. Cause I know dude, God's going to do something yeah. and, and, and all those thoughts dude, but coming to the dead end of myself, when when the areas in your life that you that you feel like you you gotta hold this together, it's got and you, everything starts falling apart, dude. Yeah. 
And all of a sudden you're left with just looking at Christ and saying, you know what? I'm nothing, dude. But if there's something you want to do in my life, you want to fill my life and use me, I'm down with that. Yeah. You know, and I just want, I want to see that replicated in more Christians, particularly leaders, particularly men who are leaders, dude. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Uh, something you touched on real quick, I want to say, because you were touching on what these kids are struggling with, idolatry. And it's funny you bring up Chuck Smith because he taught me that when you have an idol in your life, you are worshiping something that is an idol, so you become less than what that image is. Mm. And mm. Dang. when we do that, it's like we're, we're lessening ourselves of what's fake on Instagram. We're making who we are less than social media right. when Christians do that, when non-believers do that. And that's why it's like, but when you have God as your worshiper, like you're worshiping him, he is your God. He draws you to his kingdom, that holiness. It's the lifting up at that point. And that's something that I think as Christians we need to strive for. And kind of to segue off of what you were saying now is like, okay, what are these ambitions that we need to keep in check with the Lord? Mm-hmm. I do kind of want to ask you guys, like, where do you see your your vision of of ministry in the future um yeah what are you praying for mm-hmm. like what it, what is it in god put in your heart that you want to see to whatever and maybe god's told you don't say nothing about what i'm going to do that's fine too but if to whatever you guys feel that you can share is there something burning in your heart that you're just like you know what like i want to do this or i want to see god do this and if you got liberty to share we would love to hear it mm. so for me i think uh you know, I I used to have so many ambitions, <laughs> exactly what you're talking about, just thoughts of, of what I desired for ministry and what I wanted to do. Um, it's a little brother syndrome, huh, dude? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, within this last year, I think I've come to a place of literally taking everything day by day. Um, not that I'm lacking vision for the future, but I think for myself, I'm becoming more aware of the present. Um, there are certain things that I'm praying for. Um, I know God's called me to be a shepherd and a shepherd to each flock that he's given me. Right now, I have very specific flocks, and, and I love them very much. I know that flock is going to be somewhere else at some point in time. As to when, I don't know. But... I hope it's out of state. I think it's out of state. <laughs> My heart lives out of state now. Um, he knows. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> right now, like literally in this last year, this last this new season, when I took the reins of, of taking care of the, overseeing the, the worship ministry and all that, it's like, man, I need to be more present now than ever because we know that the Lord can return now. It's it's so seasoned and so ripe for his return. Um, it's it's around the corner, you know, and, and so I'm trying, and this is a constant struggle, but I'm trying to constantly be aware of what has to take place today. Mm. This night when I go home, what has to take place? Tomorrow morning when I get up and go to work, what has to take place? When I'm preparing for Sunday, what has to take place? Mm. Where in my heart do I need to be right uh, what do I need to check? I, I, I try to orchestrate that constantly in my life. 
so that I'm prepared and so that I'm ready because I know that he has things that he's shown me. At least I, I like to think that he's shown me and it's almost like, Lord, I don't know if that's really going to happen or not. I mean, like, okay, cool. But if not, I, I'm totally fine. Um, but I know that what he's doing right now is absolutely so important. Mm. It is so important and I don't want to miss it. I miss too much. Mm. I miss exactly what you're sharing on. Like I miss so much because of those ambitions, because of those thoughts, mm. because of wanting to be more Christian-like than Christ-like, mm. because I have this perceived mind of what has to take place because of what somebody said or what somebody mm. shared with me or, or even what somebody has done in the past. And uh, I missed a lot of time in that. And not only that, but even seeking out different uh, uh, versions of my own ministry. I've, I've lost so much time, even with my family. Mm. You know, we, we haven't mm. really talked about that at this table. It's been a lot of ministry. It's been a lot of things outside of that. But I can't ever uh, begin to forget, which I have in the past. <laughs> uh, to my shame, I have so many times forgotten the most important call of my life after my relationship with Christ is my wife my kids and so i laugh at myself sometimes i'm like man how much vision i can have for a group of kids in the high school ministry but how little i can have for even my own wife the home is the hardest one to 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 be effective man big time but but yet you know (laughs) yeah man so uh, to answer the whole question it's like man i'm 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 not so much as consumed with what's going to take place five or what's going to take place five, 10 years, 15 years down the line. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of living in a place where I'm like, Lord, just come back. Mm. I'm so tired. Mm. And not like physically tired. I can do work. I can do, but there's, there's this sense of like this weighing down because of the reality of sin. Lord, I'm so tired of my own flesh. Mm. I'm tired of, of wrestling with things that I wrestled with in the past. I'm so tired of, 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 of hearing of people dying. You know, since my brother has died, it's been a, a domino effect of, of other young men passing away. We literally buried last year a friend. I buried another friend just the other week ago. And uh, before that, it's been just like a spiral effect of death, of, of heroin overdoses, heroin overdose, heroin overdose, over and over again. It seems like every other year I'm burying somebody. And I'm just tired. There's a lot of people struggling with drugs and overdosing, dude, even in, like, Hollywood and stuff. I remember one that, like, kind of struck home only because his music, I really felt like I could, felt like I knew this kid through his music, like, Mac Miller, you know, like, when he overdosed, it was like, I don't know, like, I feel like if somebody, it's the right guy, like, the right timing, could have just talked to him, dude, he could have seen who God is, you know, Dude, it's not just celebrities. It's everywhere, like yeah. you said, bro. And so, definitely. How about you, dude? Vision. Um, I can share with you that I do believe the Lord's going to send me out uh, where, when. I don't, I don't want to get into the specifics just yet. Um, but something really cool you shared with me, actually, you know, the first or second time I ever talked, I don't like want right to like there, lift huh? you up. Let's I know. <laughs> In this very room, probably. <laughs> I was wrestling with vision. I was wrestling with things that I don't know what God was trying to do in my life, but you, you said something cool. You said purpose it in your heart. And that's something that's kind of like helped me a lot because as I believe that God's called me to this particular point, I know, as Aaron is saying, to be faithful in what he has for me now. 
but what I'm doing, I'm not doing in vain. So everything that I'm doing, do it unto the Lord, whether it be um, the trade I'm in or, or the ministry I'm in, just be yeah. faithful in the things he has for me right now, and he's going to lead me and guide me every step of the way. So what I believe the Lord's called me to do, the impossibilities, the, these these things, like I don't want to be consumed with that, just like Aaron said. I don't even want to dwell on it. I want to pray about those things. And then when I get back to... Um, life here now live each and every step according and unto Jesus and so I'm purposing in my heart um, pressing forward in these particular things and in the end I mean the end is still Christ regardless of if what he says is win either way yeah it's it's a win-win it really is and even if you deviate slightly from what I thought he was doing at least everything that I've done I've prepared even for that journey so to speak not Mm. to pump you up no come on bro <laughs> um, uh, like, watch, watch my like, watch my, the podcast on me, bro. That that poor fool dude who once in a while mimics something, um, says something that was meaningful. Um, um, I, I want to say, maybe someday, maybe, maybe we'll all trip out and watch each other mm. you know like some some retreat sometime or somewhere we'll all get to share share a stage or something dude mm. because you know it's funny I'm, I, maybe we'll edit it out I don't care but whatever I feel like, like, like army men at the end yeah, of like no, some like, crazy movie right now I was like, like, uh, uh, for some reason like Lord of the Rings uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, telling that old tale of like what took place oh, no man. just just uh I see it, bro. Mm. I see it. It's like uh, um, I don't need to see a man accomplish his goals, but like when someone burns within their heart and is anointed by the Father, I smell it on them, dude. Mm. So Mm. uh, it's nice to be shoulder to shoulder with you guys. Mm. And I just want you to know that um, whether anything's ever mentioned on record or not, I'll be praying for you guys specifically for what I know God called you to do. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason for any of us to try to be like each other. We just need to be who it is that God made us to be and know that Christ gets the glory. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I think that's a good note to end on, Mike. Why don't you kick him off, dude? All right. Let's do it. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen, talking Absolutely. with you guys. I enjoyed Absolutely. this a lot. It has been. Father, I come before you and I thank you for your goodness. And if we receive nothing further than what we have today, we have nothing to complain about. You've been better to us than we deserve and you've done more in our lives than we're worthy. It blows my mind, Lord, that at the end of the day, as much as we know we wrestle with sin and wrestle with desire to do what's wrong that the enemy loves to throw at us, the reality is, Lord, as we stand before you, the truth is, God, we desire you more. We desire being used by you and you using our lives more than we desire anything else. Father, I thank you so much for loving me and being there in the darkest times. And the truth is, Lord, that nobody will ever really know the way you know. But you were there, Lord. And one of the things that breaks my heart is is the thought that when you went through the toughest things that you bared that cross alone, and I'll never forget that, Lord, your sacrifice for us. And so 
We live in a place, they say it's impossible, Lord. Say that there's dirt ahead of us that is impossible to turn over. Seed won't grow in this land anymore. But we know who you are, Lord. We know that you never gave up on people and that you tug on the strings of man's heart even to their last breath. And so we thank you for your goodness and your love and all the things you've given to us and all the things we've learned from the things you've taken away. We know we're not perfect men. But we're grateful, Lord. We're grateful at this truth that you can that your strength is made perfect in our weakness and that you can use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. We humbly accept your calling on our lives and we purpose in our hearts, Lord, what it is you've called us to do. We know better than to look ahead and try to have all these ideas and stuff, but we know that we want to be obedient. And so we ask that you keep us obedient this evening. And should we get tomorrow, Lord, may we wake up and rise with you. We ask that you continue to sharpen us, Lord, as you call us out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's a wrap. That's a wrap.